It's time. We'll try to get. All right, all right, all right. Dude, I'm so fired up for this. So I, I, I might, you might want to co-host Jen now. I might drop off the co-host because I have, I have to bounce back and forth to uh, another space I'm committed to, like for the first like half hour or so. But like, listen, cool. you guys, you need to. This is going to be one of those important ass spaces where all kinds. This, this, this is a trash discourse special which is you want receipts you want the deep diving right you want to know how the fucking shit actually happens this is the space that you need to get people into because you will walk away from this space with a better understanding of who the real enemies of speech and freedom are like you're not gonna get anywhere else so listen that that I'm telling you, do your friends a solid, right? Do your followers a solid and get them in here. Because this is, this is, oh, I I so love exposing these people because I, I also, I will never forget, I see name in here too. I will never forget Trash when we were doing the Michael Teeter one, when you first discovered that. And name comes in here and he's like, you're like, wait a second, the website's down. Wait, I, I think he deleted his website. Like, while we're in the space, they drops in. It's like, oh, don't worry, bros. I got it. I got screenshotted. I archived that bitch. We got it. Don't worry about it. Ain't going nowhere. Like, they, they, they are. I, I don't know if you've seen Trash. Ben Collins is having, like, a full-blown meltdown today. Uh, Nan Doodles is doubling down. Right, uh, like trying to get Google to be like, "Oh my God, look how! Oh my God, look at what people are saying to me!" It's gonna be legendary all the way around. Oh, dude, no, it's so great. Uh, and quick, couple shout outs I need to make. Number one, shout out Glenn Greenwald, the only person on Twitter besides us that says, "Hey, by the way, just so we're clear, uh, Media Matters was started by David Brock." Right, so like here's this tweet that just came out. And I was like, thank God. He says, I think sometimes people forget that Media Matters was created, shaped, and governed for a long time by David Brock, arguably the single most craven, deceitful, and amoral scumbag DC politics has ever seen. There was no way for anything decent to be spawned from that rotted root. Shout out, Grant Gleenwald. Thank you for that. Um, let me get, uh, hang on. What? Oh, we're rotating. Okay, sorry about that, guys. Let me get uh, everyone rotated here. Okay, so Jen's coming up. Dawson's rotating the speaker, but yeah. So uh, shout out to Glenn Greenwald. I'll put that up in the. I'll put that up in the nest, uh, and also, of course, you know, I had to reply with, uh, "We haven't." Matter of fact, we're having a space about it. Come in. So that would be that would be legit if we could get Glenn in here to talk about it. But because he's the only person talking about it besides us, it's crazy. I'm like, you guys, do you not understand how deep this goes? Like, it's not just some clown show that was talking about Japs and Jewry, right? This is like, this is like the machine. And it's not just Democrat. I, I know I put DNC influence machine, but it's really establishment machine. It's used for both purposes. So we're going to get into all that. But uh, before we get started, shout out to Jen, my new co-host, as usual, rocking with me. And obviously, Savvy's here. How are you guys? I was being quiet because of the first space that I co-hosted with you. And then Dustin comes in here like a freaking, uh, what's it called? The Tasmanian devil. He's like, hey, everybody. And I'm like, oh, he spoke. 
because I got a hand slap because I'd normally come in a space like that. Like, hey, everybody, we're so excited to have you. And Trash is like, please wait until I have invited everyone. And and I'm like, oh, shoot, I messed up. So every space since then, I come in completely silent, do not unmute. And then Dustin comes in here just like, like freaking full throttle guns a blazing. Love it. Yeah, it's the uh, it's because of the music. So like, it's, X is stupid. So like, once when I set when I set up this space, saying hey at eleven my time today, I'm gonna have this space. What I used to do was preload um, the comment section with everything that we're gonna talk about. But when you start the space, none of that comes over. It creates a new entry on X. So basically, I have to reload all the receipts and stuff that we're gonna go over back down in the chat. And so I just don't want dead air. It's not that I don't want you to speak, silly. I There is never dead air with me, Aaron. I take up all the <laughs> air in the room. And especially if Jen's my co-host, then you've got two of us. It, there's never a quiet moment. I get all the special privileges. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, right, it's totally patriarchy at work. And I think we're all here for it. Yeah, 100%. So I'm not going to leave the space off with Michael Teeter, even though I'm using the thread that I put together on him, because in that thread has everything that I need. Um, so I'm just going to take that thread and put it down there. Um, and so we can kind of, we're going to revisit this. And I know Jen's going to come in like lightning hot with the uh, Norm Eisen approach and crew and all that stuff. So uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Let me put that thread down in the chat. This thing has proven useful, helpful. Um, you know, it's crazy, Dustin. I was talking to Savvy this morning about this. It was like everything that we've been talking about over the last year when we have these spaces and we do these threads, we're like, man, we're the only ones talking about this. And let me be clear about something. I don't do that just to be the only person doing something. It's, hey, this is interesting. This actually seems consequential. We should probably be talking about this instead of other things. And now, in the course of like the last two months, everyone is talking about everything that we've been talking about. Names here. Now they're all talking about it like it's hip and cool. We're like, oh, you're new here. All right. Well, have at it, I suppose. We've been talking about it for a long time. Not, not that I want the credit. It's the point of where were you guys? Like, holy cow, where has everybody been? Because this is major, major stuff. And we would have, had, we would have looked a lot better in 2022 had people been doing it. And then my second shout out, I was just randomly going. Millie didn't say anything, but Millie uploaded her first video four days ago that I haven't seen her do. She was talking about a lot of this too. So shout out to her on that. I'm only about 23 minutes uh, through it because, well, I had to start the space. But uh, Millie's got some new content up. It's a really great video. She's talking about a lot of things that we've been talking about over this last year. So, so go check that out. Also on QUX, uh, YouTube, and I believe, I'm sure Rumble as well. So those are my two shout outs to get started before we get going. Um, so, so, so before I go, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to just, I, I've had a feeling all day trash. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in a very optimistic hopium based mood, right? And I have a feeling that we could get Elon Musk in this space. So uh, I'm going to go, I go into the little, per, I'm going to pull right the little purple pill down there on the bottom, right? Just click on that, hit reply say something and invite Elon, right? Let's just throw a, right. I'm, I'm not saying there's a good chance, 
that it's going to happen. But I'm saying it's not out of the question. And if, right, don't just tag at Elon, right? Be like, hey, Elon, come talk to us about your lawsuit against Media Man. Put some, like, saying in there. And when I get back, I got to run over. I got to do the MySpace for a little bit. I got to make an appearance over there. But when I come back, I'll reward some of you guys who put uh, Elon down on the chat with some CBDC. Let's freaking go. I have, I have a good feeling. They, like, this, this, this is a hot topic for him. And uh, I'd love to, to hear what he's thinking and hear if he plans to expand it out to go after some of the other, like, compartments of the media matter censorship machine, right? Wait, wait, frankly, I want to, please tell me you're going after Nandini Jammy, bro. Like, she's got to be on the list. She's got to. So anyway, I'm going to drop off. I'll be back in like 20 minutes or so, Trash. Love you guys. Yep, appreciate you. Uh, down in the down in the chat also, uh, I'm going to add to that where I just posted the thread. I'm going to put uh, a day ago the Poso's tweet or, or post uh, from Jen uh, from Joe Benarock, who was basically breaking down exactly a lot of the things that happened. I'm going to put Elon's letter down there as well. I can't wait. Uh, Tracy and I have been talking already about trying to get the court documents uh, on these lawsuits so we can start covering that as well. So that's going to be coming up soon. We're, we're going to be covering that. Um, so, uh, a lot of things to get to. Base Deer, you got your hand up. That'll help me while I'm gathering up the rest of my recipes. I'll be right back. Base Deer, go ahead. Base, you there? Yep, sorry. Uh, I also just want to point out, kind of with what Dustin was saying about being on some hopium, we had a pretty big win last night. Like most of us officially memed a politician and Javier Mille. Congratulations to him on becoming the, essentially the president of Argentina. That was quite hilarious to watch. That's right. Trust, but verify, right? I'm excited to see it. Let's see if he does take that blowtorch he promised. And I'm looking forward to it, but there's a lot of wins that weren't talked about. I'll, I'll, while I'm pulling up all my seats, I will allow this to divert for a second. Um, in Louisiana, they, they elected a new attorney general, Liz Merle. So not only did they flip the state red with Jeff Landry, based Jeff Landry, uh, who was the attorney general for Louisiana on the uh, Missouri v. Biden case. Um, but Liz Merle uh, took over as attorney general down there. And she's she's all that same out of that same team. And then Nancy Landry, uh, she is one secretary of state in Louisiana. So Louisiana's complete flipped all the way red uh, where it matters. And so that's uh, really interesting to see. And I think it's a good, good thing to look at. And, and I think it's okay to be hopeful uh, right now. I'm not going to get high on hopium, but there's some wins. And when the wins are there, then let's, let's, uh, let's celebrate them. So, yeah. Uh, real quick, just to kind of reset the room here, guys, I've got my fabulous co-hosts down in the chat. I've got the thread that I put together back in, looks like July, uh, regarding Ray Epps' attorney um, on record, who... Uh, filed a lawsuit on behalf of Ray Epps on Fox News, who is actually also the director of the 65 Project, which is the same group of attorneys that tried to go after any attorney representing any election cases, January 6th cases, and many other situations as well. Here in Arizona, also, uh, one of Carrie Lake's attorneys, I was talking with him last Friday uh, at uh, some happy hours, a bunch of local folks got together, and the 65 Project is after him as well for representing Carrie Lake in election cases. So this is the same 65 project that was started underneath 
Uh, Michael Tudor is a director, but David Brock. Now, David Brock, as we all know, no one can really stand. He came out of the Hillary camp. He was supposedly a conservative and then went full bore for Hillary. Uh, it also explains why Obama doesn't like him, because Hillary and Obama do not get along very well. Hillary thought that Obama wronged her. So anyway, long story boring, David Brock is the establishment machine uh, influence guy. Now, since he's walked away from Media Matters, but he did start it, uh, and it looks like the director over at Media Matters now is, is having a day as well. His uh, internet receipts aren't looking so good. But if you go through the thread, you're going to see the 65 Project call out. You're going to see, by the way, Michael Teeter, he, him, I believe he has deleted his ex-profile since this space and since this thread. Uh, my thread was posted or was used in Gateway Pundit. I saw Revolver did an article on their own investigation regarding this as well. So it kind of coalesced at the same time, and that is in the thread as well. I like to give credit where credit's due. Uh, and then there's a memo uh, that started post-Donald Trump election from David Brock, obviously with Media Matters, but then it was called the Strategic Plan for Action. And this is crazy because a lot of this worked. A lot of what they said they were going to do, they did. And so this is when they formed American Bridge, Crew, and Share Blue. Now, Jen can probably highlight some more on Crew, uh, especially with the Norm Eisen thing. So maybe I'll kick that to you before we get started, Jen, if you want. Um, can I do it in a little while, Trash? Or did I just mess everything up? Nope, I can keep going. That's fine. Um, so down in the chat, like I said, look in this thread. Um, we have the documents here where they're actually establishing this. And you can see the Ray Epps stuff. Well, I'm not going to go down that road today. I don't need to. Everybody knows what's going on there. But um, also establishing Facts First USA. Now, this is kind of crazy because we actually saw Facts First deployed at the behest of the White House this year. So we're going to get into that a little bit, too. So let's see. We've got uh, 230 people in here. Great. If you guys can retweet the space, like I said, we're going to try to get, uh, I want to try to get Glenn Greenwald in here because he's the only one talking about this besides us. And I want to get, uh, try to get Elon in here as well. So, um, but also down in that same thread, uh, I threaded the thread, essentially. We have what Media Matters actually did. So they, what it says here, according to Joe Benarock, Media Matters created three accounts and followed 30 accounts similar to the ones in the article. They then constantly refreshed the timeline of posts 13 times the number of ads served to this user as opposed to the median. 50 impressions served against the content in the article. And out of 5.5 billion served the whole day, points to the fact of how efficiently our model avoids content for advertisers. Data wins over allegations. And so what, ha what they did was they essentially created this account. They created a bunch of these accounts went and followed a bunch of white supreme accounts or, you know, anti-Israel, whatever it may be. I don't remember the exact accounts, what they were, but they were smaller accounts. These were not large accounts. And then they basically commented, shared uh, a billion, a million times on these, on these accounts and kept refreshing all day. Basically what these trolls do, these people that work for Media Matters, all day, they spend their time all day monitoring right-wing content and then writing these bogus articles on their website and fact checks and suggestions for suspensions. And they rally these advertisers to, to basically want to quit advertising on the site. Essentially what they do is by refreshing and commenting a million times over and over again, it then serves up ads. And then when they finally get an ad for a company like an IBM or Apple or something like that, that ad is then placed in supposed hateful content posts. And then they say, hey, look, IBM, don't you notice that you are advertising next to these white Supremes? Do you not want that? X is bad. And it's all just for an effort of censorship because this is the one platform that is not completely compromised, unlike the rest. 
Now, granted, X has its problems. I've complained a lot about um, some deprioritization and shadow banning. It seems to be my count is not is no longer doing that, but uh, it has been for a very long time. So I'm actually starting to see engagement rise now. Um, but so that was kind of what they did. That was a strategy. Now, this is the letter uh, that he came out with two days ago. Elon did. It says the split second that court opens on Monday, X Corp will be filing a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company. Now, Chris Pavlovsky of Rumble has since come out and joined the fight. And many other people are also joining that fight. And this is going directly after Media Matters. And everyone's talking about the current CEO or and, and Angelo and everything else. And like, listen, <laughs> the stuff he says, uh, like the Japs and Jewry stuff, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty concerning. But this is really, as Glenn put in that tweet up top that I've been saying, a lot of us have been saying, I'll read Glenn's tweet again. I think sometimes people forget that Media Matters was created, shaped, and governed for a long time by David Brock, arguably the single most craven, deceitful, and amoral scumbag DC politics has ever seen. There is no way for anything to be decent spawned from that rotted root. And I concur. Hear, hear, sir. So this is the letter uh, from Elon. And this is what he says. It says, this week, Media Matters for America posted a story that completely represented, misrepresented the real user experience on X in another attempt to undermine freedom of speech and mislead advertisers. Above everything, including profit, X works to protect the public's right to free speech. But for speech to be truly free, we must have also the freedom to see or hear things that some people may consider objectionable. Let me stop on that for a moment. This is very important. This is something that Jeff Landry, uh, the, governor, the now governor of Louisiana on the Missouri v. Biden case, was talking about. He said it's not just your right to freedom of speech being you being able to speak it. Um, freedom of speech also means your right to hear others' speech. It's a very important point, especially when we're talking about censorship and canceling campaigns that we're here because... There's other people's free speech that is being violated. Their First Amendment is being violated because they're not allowed to hear what they deem as objectionable or hate speech or going against their narrative or malinformation, as we saw uh, with all the censorship in the case of Missouri v. Biden, Heinz v. Stamos, and uh, the Twitter files releases. This is uh, malinformation, the information that's true, but they just don't like how the people are, uh, public are going to react to it. So we got to stop it. And, and so to continue on, he says, uh, we believe that everyone has a right to make up their own minds about what to read, watch, or listen to, because that's the power of freedom of speech. Despite our clear and consistent position, X has seen a number of attacks from activist groups like Media Matters and Nandini Jamie, Nandoodles of the World, and all these other groups, uh, and legacy media outlets, too, who seek to undermine freedom of expression on our platform because they perceive it as a threat to their ideological narrative and their, those of their financial supporters. These groups try to use their influence to attack our revenue streams by deceiving advertisers on X, which is kind of what I just laid out how they did it on this specific matter. They've done this millions of times on other platforms. Here are the facts of Media Matters research. To manipulate the public and, and advertisers, Media Matters created an alternate account and curated the posts and advertising appearing on the account's timeline to misinform advertisers about the placement of their posts. These contrived experiences could be applied to any platform. Once they curated their feed, they repeatedly refreshed their timelines to find a rare instance of ads serving next to the content they chose to follow. Our logs indicated that they forced a scenario resulting in 13 times the number of ads served compared to the median ad served to an X user. Of the 5.5 billion ad impressions on X that day, less than 50 total ad impressions were served against all organic content featured in the Media Matters article. For one brand showcased in the article, 
One of his ads ran adjacent to a post two times, and that ad was seen in that setting by only two users, one of which was the author of the Media Matters article. For another brand showcased in the article, two of its ads served adjacent to two posts three times, and that ad was only seen in that setting by one user, the author of Media Matters, Media Matters article. Media Matters, Media Matters article also highlights nine posts that they believe should not be allowed on X. Upon evaluation, only one of the nine organic posts featured in the article violated our current our content policies, and we've taken action on it under their freedom of speech, not reach enforcement approach. So here's a summary on this all. X will protect the public's right to free expression. We will not allow agenda-driven activists or even our own profits to deter our vision. Everyone on, on has a choice on X. User and brand control on X is superior to a year ago. And three, data wins over allegations. Media Matters does not reflect the user's experience on X. As we've seen in some parts of the world when free expression is taken away, it is very dangerous and hard to get back. And that's why the people who came before us fought so hard to protect it. Without freedom of speech, we lose the checks and balances critical to a thriving democracy. We must defend our individual rights as if our own lives and flourishing society depend on it. If you're really in on protecting free speech, then we all need to protect it completely. Stand with X to protect free speech. Uh, I am a Premium Plus user. I support this platform. And it's easy for me to do because I do get a couple bucks every couple weeks from, from Twitter for the content I put on here. And so it essentially pays for itself. So I, why wouldn't I get behind this? I caught a Tim Pool did a segment this morning um, that I caught on the way to work. Um, and he talked a lot about this stuff, but he talked about all these different uh, all these different groups and personalities that are banding together to to supplement uh, some of the ad revenue lost. And they're saying, why would you pay Elon and this and that and the other? And he I think he made a great point. It's, it's a business decision. So if I if I, if I offer a subscription service and I offer content and we're producing content on a scale then I would like to advertise uh, to have more people, you know, come see our content, pay the 10 bucks a month or whatever it may be. And so it's an easy business decision. But I, but at the same time, a lot of these people are putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, you got Andrew Tate saying a million dollars per month. You've got Babylon B at $250,000. Tim Cast, Tim Pool, 250 grand. Uh, the Wellness Center Health, $150,000 per month. Benny Johnson, 50 grand. Sensor.tv, 40 grand. The Quartering, Jeremy, 25 grand. Keith Gross in Florida, 20 grand. Hodge Twins, 15 grand per month. Uh, donut Operator, 10 grand. Elijah Schaefer, 2,500. And Prager Use continuing to advertise heavily. Um, and so everyone is still doing this. And it, what, is that, what does that prove? Well, I, I think what it proves is that free speech is paramount. And we can't allow people like the David Brocks of the world, the Media Matters, and all these clowns that want to control speech because they hate you. They don't, they don't like, they don't like you. Uh, I think Dan Bongino says this a lot. It's, you know, people on the right view leftists as good people with bad ideas. People on the left view people on the right as bad people with bad ideas. And I think it's so true. And I, and I think when you look at how the establishment operates, both left and right together, uniparty style, and we're talking about the David Brocks of the world, people like that, you can kind of see that that point is very, very true. And, you know, the way I look at it is if your ideas were so great, you wouldn't need to shut down everybody who has a differing opinion because we know their ideas aren't that great. So let me uh, take a drink of water here real quick. But I just kind of wanted to give that intro an update of why I believe that talking about Michael Teeter, David Brock, all these different groups that have been working for years to subvert the will of the American people. And they do it 
almost with absolute ease, no pushback, no transparency, no one, everybody that knows about these people, they hate them, but they don't say anything about it. Well, this is like my, my, I think savvy, what my third space on these guys over the last year, I think Jen, we've, we've yeah. been talking about this for over a year. For so, a very long time. Your yeah. tip of the spear. It's spear. <laughs> At least on this, we're definitely ahead of some of the ball game on somebody other people. So, but I, I just want it out there. I don't really care being first. I just want to be right. So, um, if you guys want to go down to the chat, let's go to that thread that I have. We're going to skip through the Ray Epps attorney stuff. I already kind of explained how Michael Teeter, the director of the 65 Project, going after attorneys representing election cases in 2020, January 6th defendants and such. And I also found out last Friday, again, I'll put this, one of Carrie Lake's attorneys, they're going after him for representing Carrie Lake in election cases here in Maricopa County, Arizona. So these guys are still active. Michael Teeter is the managing director of it. He also happens to be the attorney on record on the lawsuit against Fox News from Ray Epps. So that's really uh, interesting to note because as we get into uh, breaking open these individual um, programs that these guys had created back in 2017 after Trump was elected, you'll really start to see the bigger picture here. And there's a, there, I actually have the, um, I actually have the strategic plan for action document down in that, in that uh, thread. And it says, David Rock started Media Matters, the fake fact-checking org designed to counter truth with false or misleading fact-checks. Check out his plan for the midterms in the 2020 elections. And you can actually look at the document yourself. It is absolutely nuts. And it's obviously this whole rhetoric. I'll, here, I'll read you this. I think this is very important to note. I'll just read this intro that he wrote. You can kind of get a better understanding of what they're saying here. So it says, we will fight every day. We're going to fight for the things in which we believe, and we're going to fight against any attempt to erode the cornerstone work and values of the progressive movement and this pluralistic nation. We are going to resist the normalization of Donald Trump, his every conflict of interest, every bit of cronyism, his every move towards authoritarianism, his every subversion of our democratic systems and principles, his every radical departure from foreign domestic policy norms. Yeah, 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 like, you know, Abraham Accords and like, how about we not blow up kids in the Middle East? Yeah, that you're right. That is a departure, radical departure from our foreign policy norms. You got that right, David. He says, we're going to contest every effort in every level of government to limit rights, rescind protections, entrench inequality, redistribute wealth upwards, or in any other way fundamentally undermine the tendons of egalitarianism that must serve as the bedrock of our democracy. That's... That's his pitch, right? That's that's uh, that's what he wants to. That's what he wants you guys to. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put in egalitarianism and and it has to be progressive and we cannot allow this foreign radical departure from foreign and domestic policy norms, i.e., America first. And they got together in 2017 after he was elected, because obviously we all know that Hillary was supposed to be crowned, and the Russians stole it because Donald Trump was peeing on hookers in Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Oh, wait, no, that was all bullshit. So, yeah, so that's what they did. And then they put this plan together and they essentially went after it uh, and were very successful in most of the deployment of this. So, Jen, if you're here, I'm going to skip over the Media Matters part because everybody knows at this point, I've kind of explained it because this Elon case is bringing it to the forefront about who they are, what they're about, what they do. And I want to start moving into like American Bridge and Crew. And I know that you've got a lot to say on this because we've gone over this many times with folks. So I want to do that. So let me pull this up on my computer so I can read it better. Are you there with me, Jen? 
Yeah, I'm here, Trash. Do you want me to send you that one document I have um, that lays out like normizing? Because then it, the Joe Seller stuff is in there. And then he went from crew, right? So he started, normizing started at crew. Um, right. And he has since went on to the States United. And what's really interesting about the States United group, uh, it's States United Democracy Center. Uh, the co-founder of it with him was Christy Todd Whitman. Of course, she's the one who told everybody that the 9-11 air was safe and since had to apologize. Um, but on their advisory board, you have Michael Steele, Bill Weld, Tom Ridge, Michael Chertoff, and Janet Napolitano. Three of them are former heads of the DHS. Um, and, and when you see things like this, and this isn't the first time, so he, he has this and he there's a whole bunch of stuff. So I don't want to like overwhelm people and just like read off of this. So I'm trying to figure out how the best way to go about this trash. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is what I'll probably, that's what I'll do is I'll kind of outline what crew was. And then that, I think that'll lead into kind of talking about normizing and, and that piece. And then obviously the, the, the Citizens United, we'll be able to get into that too. So I think that I can start with crew, uh, which is what they established with this uh, memo, the David Brock memo on fighting Trump. Um, and they established this crew. So I'm kind of explaining to people what crew is when they started this thing uh, through David Brock and many others. And then Norm Eisen, um, how he fits into all this, because we can go right from there. And people will really start to see what the hell has been going on? And it's not only just going on now, but what's been going on for years. Like so many people couldn't figure out. They're like, I don't understand. Why is it? Is it like somebody just giving out talking points in the morning to all the journalists and they all run the same things and all their channels, all the BS? Yes and no. Um, what, what this group has done is they essentially created a bunch of quote unquote experts all saying the same thing. And it's actually laid out in these documents, like word for word, how they did this. And they inserted these pundits and these journalists, quote unquote, um, at various different areas, all saying the same thing. So it seemed like everyone's in lockstep. And that's because they created it and funded through this. A lot of dark money. And that's where crew comes in. We're going to talk about crew here. Um, and then we will I will get into I can I can then touch on media matters. But I, I think that will be a good kickoff. Jen, will you DM me that document? I know you sent it to me before, but if you DM it to me, that way I can open it on my computer. Um, that would be helpful. Yeah, I got you. And also, uh, oh, Brandon left. Brandon was on stage, but Brandon left. So he'll probably be back. Yeah, I was just going to kick it to him, see if he had anything to add. So, oh, there he is. So, yeah, if you DM that to me, I'll open it up and we'll start, I'll start to talk about crew. But Brandon, you joined us. I knew you were listening. What's up, buddy? Nice music. I think we lost him. Not to bring you back, Brandon. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, it sounded like he was on a cruise. Or like an elevator. I was going to go okay. on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in that document, guys, you guys can take a look at it. Um, American Bridge, I'll get into in a second. I'd rather talk about crew first. So let me get that. Because we can lead into uh, normizing and all that. We can come back to uh, American Bridge and what that was. But they established all of this. And it's it's all here. It's several pages. I don't know. It's 
hundred pages or so. Let me get to crew here. He did not put in a table of contents. Okay, here we go. So this is what crew was, guys. This is on page 28 of that document. This is a crew established in 2003, America's nonpartisan watchdog against government corruption, right? So crew will be the leading nonpartisan ethics watchdog group in a period of crisis when a president and an administration that is present, that present present possible conflicts of interest and ethical problems on an unprecedented scale. Crew will demand ethical conduct from the administration in all parts of the government, expose improper influence with powerful interests, and ensure accountability when the administration and others shirk ethical standards, rules, and laws. And so they're saying that the nonpartisan coalition has driven good government reform for decades. Now it finds itself outgunned. Judicial Watch, the most frequently cited conservative watchdog organization, has a $30 million annual budget. It consistently caused problems for President Obama and Secretary Clinton through aggressive FOIAs and other lawsuits with a steady stream of reports and press outreach. Let me just read what that what they just said. <laughs> Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, right, that group, <laughs> consistently caused problems for Obama and Secretary Clinton because of their aggressive FOIA litigation and other lawsuits and a steady stream of reports. This is a Freedom of Information Act, meaning this is information that <laughs> was government records that they were simply requesting and then we're able to formulate lawsuits off of truth. <laughs> These people are unhinged, but they're just saying it. And they're saying Donald Trump presents conflicts of interest and possible ethical problems on an unprecedented scale. And special interests are pushing it to influence both parties in Congress. Yet Judicial Watch and similar groups like Cause of Action and the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust have been conspicuously quiet. Responding to this crisis re requires an ethics watchdog with credibility, resources, and willingness to hold Trump and his administration accountable. Bolstered by bipartisan board leadership and a winning record, even in the face of partisan gridlock, uh, Crew, which is Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, is positioned for this fight. So here's their overarching strategy. This is, this is the legal arm of it, right? And this is why I want to kick it to you, Jen, after I get through this introduction so people understand what it is. So crew knows how to use litigation, legal complaints, research, and press outreach to get results, i.e. weaponizing our lawfare system. We must significantly ramp up to fill the gap and see. We want to kind of explain a little bit about norm of interest and ethical problems on an unprecedented scale. Crew will demand ethical conduct from the administration in all parts of the government, expose improper influence with powerful interests, and ensure accountability when the administration and others shirk ethical standards, rules, and laws. And so they're saying that the nonpartisan coalition has driven good government reform for decades. Now it finds itself outgunned. Judicial Watch, the most frequently cited conservative watchdog organization, has a $30 million annual budget. It consistently caused problems for President Obama and Secretary Clinton through aggressive FOIAs and other lawsuits with a steady stream of reports and press outreach. Let me just read what that what they just said. <laughs> Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, right, that group. <laughs> Consistently caused problems for Obama and Secretary Clinton because of their aggressive FOIA litigation and other lawsuits and a steady stream of reports. This is a Freedom of Information Act, meaning this is information that was government records that they were simply requesting and then were able to formulate lawsuits off of truth. <laughs> These people are unhinged, but they're just saying it. And they're saying Donald Trump presents conflicts of interest and possible ethical problems on an unprecedented scale and special interests are pushing it to influence both parties in Congress. Yet Judicial Watch and similar groups like Cause of Action and the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust 
have been conspicuously quiet. Responding to this crisis re requires an ethics watchdog with credibility resources and willingness to hold Trump and his administration accountable. Bolstered by bipartisan board leadership and a winning record, even in the face of partisan gridlock, uh, crew, which is Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, is positioned for this fight. So here's their overarching strategy. This is this is the legal arm of it, right? And this is why I want to kick it to you, Jen, after I get through this introduction so people understand what it is. So crew knows how to use litigation, legal complaints, research, and press outreach to get results, i.e. weaponizing our lawfare system. We must significantly ramp up to fill the gap in serious ethics analysis and legal accountability for the new president and the rest of the government. Donald Trump brings with him massive global conflicts of interest and an apparent disregard for the traditions and rules aimed at protecting the government from improper influence. To combat this coming ethics crisis, Crew will significantly enhance our capabilities to monitor conflicts of interest and ex executive branch ethics using FOIA uh, to effectively keep tabs on the activities of the administration and federal agencies and take legal action, including active litigation to bring about accountability when the law is broken. Crew is not aiming to imitate Judicial Watch, but rather establish itself as a credible but aggressive nonpartisan watchdog seeking accountability for ethical lapses and improper influence. Now, that sounds, that sounds all nice and good, right? Except they, they didn't do any of these things. And the lies that came out of this was just unbelievable. But what made Crew so pernicious, specifically, is the people like Norm Eisen, right? And then they got the idea for the 65 Project, which I have... Um, some information on as well. Plus, we'll talk about the Facts First USA 2022-2024 memo. But Jen, Norm Eisen, and the others, that they, they, they were part of this crew since 2003 or whenever they joined, um, that were essentially going to weaponize our law system against Donald Trump. This is what their plan was. This is who was going to be deployed. Then became what Citizens United. And so if you want to kind of explain a little bit about Norm Eisen and what their activities were, I'd be grateful. Yeah, Josh, I got you. Um, if I'm like boring or like whatever, just stop me. Um, but so Norm Eisen has been the key architect of nearly every attempt to delegitimize, impeach, censor, sue, and remove the uh, Donald Trump. Right. Um, he was one of the lead voices formulating the January 6th committee's purpose. Um, and teeing up any of the criminal indictments against Donald Trump. And this started back in um, 2016, 2017 um, with Crew, uh, where he and Richard Painter and Joseph Sellers started bringing lawsuits um, against Donald Trump. And this started almost immediately um, when Donald Trump got into office and even before uh, where they started with he was enriching himself. Is that what it was, Trash? He was enriching himself uh, using his properties in D.C. Um, to make like I'm trying to find the one part in this. Sorry. Where was it? OK. Okay, so in January twenty January twenty third, twenty seventeen, Norm Eisen's lawfare out, outlet crew filed civil suit against Trump for allegedly violating the Illuminance Clause of the Constitution. Um, the suit said the theory that some sort foreign government officials would stay at Trump properties while visiting D.C. They're violating the foreign whatever clause of the constitution banning presidents from taking gifts from foreign officials. Um, and even before that, uh, it started with the, 
the head of the guy who was responsible for the Tiger King documentary, he sued Donald Trump in New York City over some real estate laws using Norm Eisen. Um, and Norm Eisen is the reason he is just so right in front is he is Obama's former ethics czar. Um, he was ambassador to Czechoslovakia during the Velvet Revolution. Uh, he was key counsel on the impeachment efforts. Uh, he participated in the Sunrise Zoom calls and using the Open Societies Foundation. Um, and then he created the Democratic Playbook, Preventing and Reversing Democratic Backsliding. But he's a color revolutionaries expert, and he's affiliated with the Brookings Institute. And he has become the legal counsel for all of these groups um, that have been used by the censorship industrial complex and other government entities to take away our constitutional rights. Um, so he is literally hiding behind lawfare in order to carry out some of the more nefarious shit they're doing is they're hiding it behind attorney-client privilege between him, Joseph Sellers, and all these other groups of lawyers, which the 65 Project is exactly what they had been doing, and now they just put a name on it. Um, but he's a really evil dude, and there's so much stuff, but I don't want to be boring and just drag on and lose the audience. So uh, actually, it's, specific, it's, is that okay? pretty, it's pretty compelling, actually, Jen. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> like You're doing great, actually. Um, as you keep going, I mean, I, I can interject. Sure. If you want to kick it back to me, I can, I can go, I can go move on, but you were, I think you were killing it there. I'll kick it back to you trash. Okay. So <laughs> that's, I mean, so you guys can understand what, what exactly was happening here, right? So this is the normizing of the world. This is how they weaponize the, our law system. Uh, not, not just against Trump, but against everybody, uh, against attorneys, against everyday citizens against people with like 400 following accounts of, of content that they didn't like. And this apparatus, this whole thing with like David Brock and the memo on fighting Trump, it's important to note like crew was like the lawfare watchdog arm, right? The Citizens United stuff, the Norm Eisen was again, part of that lawfare, 65 project, part of that lawfare, right? And then you had groups like on this memo, like American Bridge, so American Bridge, I'll kind of get into that as well. This is kind of crazy, but I'll, I'll read you what they are. So they were the political opposition research engine, right? So this is the group, much like what we have on the right. You see like MRC and many other groups, but this group was an opposition research. But, what, but they weren't just providing receipts. They were manipulating content and like basically creating propaganda. And then that was being used by political candidates, by grassroots organizers, and it was putting out these lies. And then they were using the other arms that they had established, like facts first and fact checking. And what I like to call is the the establishment pundit school, where they were specifically selecting people that were pundits that were part of this group that would be inserted as experts to then prop up these lies and this opposition research that, that American Bridge was doing. And they established this in 2011. Says American Bridge will cement itself as the standard bearer of opposition research, build, build on its role as a progressive clearinghouse for information that drives the narrative on Republican official holders, candidates, and will be at the epicenter of the Democrats' work to regain power starting in 2017 and building the 2020. And so it's it's just nuts of what they did. And so check this out. So their overarching strategy was this. It says, as we move into our fourth election cycle, the, version, the vision of Bridge as permanent progressive infrastructure is coming to fruition. 
We are beginning to see the full value of our investment in researching and tracking candidates over multiple cycles. With 20,000 hours of video, 289 candidate research books, and largest available archive of Trump research in the Democratic Party, we are uniquely prepared to take on the Trump administration, defeat Republicans who enable it. Notice, let me read that one more time. To prepare, uniquely prepared to take on the Trump administration, but defeat Republicans who enable it. So anybody America first, right? Anybody with, you know, right-wing populism in their messaging and rebuild progressive power in the states. This is why it was so attractive to establishment unipartists on the right, because they, they had this access and they can essentially were doing the same thing to defeating uh, America first primary candidates or going against, you know, those candidates so they can maintain these, you know, squishy neocon unipartist Republicans as well. They both benefited from this. It says, our new Trump war room launched within weeks of the election is already scrutinizing the presidential transition and will vigilantly watchdog the personnel policies and practices of the administration. Our purpose is to keep Trump unpopular and make it more difficult for candidates who support him to get elected in 2018. Yeah, go ahead, Jen. Yeah, I just want to point out Norm Eisen also has a lengthy, um, good relationship with um, Bernie Thompson or Benny Thompson. Is that his name? Yep, the guy, Benny. Uh, Benny Thompson, who led the January 6th hearings, but he also filed the lawsuit right after January 6th. Like I'm talking February, early February 2021, um, where he laid out all of these like in the lawsuit. It was against the Proud Boys and Donald Trump and a whole bunch of other groups. Um, and they laid out specific lines that like no one even knew about at that point. Like, going back, like, how did you know, like, that was all going on, yet you're still trying to find people who were there by putting up billboards all across the country? And this was a lengthy lawsuit that this obviously was prepared before. So, like, when did you actually prepare this lawsuit? Or was this part of the larger plan of January 6th happening and then these idiots using Benny Thompson um, and his position at that time? you know, to to automatically file this lawsuit against Donald Trump when there was not a lot of that information known. That's right. Well, and you mentioned Christopher Steele as well. Funny enough. So, uh, Thomas, if that is you, let's see. <laughs> Go ahead, Thomas. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you it guys shows like he's still connecting for me, Trash. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, the space is glitching. Um, yeah, Brandon DM me and he said that he was having a ton of glitches and he was trying to get up on stage, but it's not letting him. So it's nothing against us. It's just Twitter. God, it just makes me. It just makes me think about how my account went absolutely haywire the day after I put that Michael Teeter thread out. And now we're talking about him again, and here we are. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know who did it, but it was bad. All my threads got wiped out. It was completely shadow banned. If I replied, it would show up as post not available. Um, but I didn't know it because I could see all my content. Only other people couldn't. It's like all my threads. That we I had, had to save could... Trash Panda campaign, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That's what> <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and and that that this is the this is the power center of. Democrats and the establishment, right? Like as an example of media matters, their core budget at that time in 2017, listen to this, 13.4 million and covered a staff of 81. 
let me go pull the recent numbers, but it's like five times that now. And so since 2017, when they, uh, since 2017, they were, like I said, they were at what, 80, 81 employees, 13.4 million. Uh, and this is when Angelo Carusone uh, was the president. He was named the president of Media Matters in December 2016. Previously, he was the organization's executive vice president. In that role, Angelo helped run day-to-day operations, expanded the organization's online footprint, and managed accountability initiatives. In 2016, he took a leave of absence to serve as a deputy CEO for finance and administration of the, of the 2016 Democratic National Convention. In 2009, as a law student, Angelo founded the Stop Beck effort, which organized participants via social media to successfully convince sponsors to cease advertising on Glenn Beck's show. <laughs> Guys, in late 2010, Angelo joined Media Matters as campaign director and worked on its Drop Fox initiative. He later went on to serve as director of online strategy and campaigns. He organized the Stop Rush effort, Stop Rush Limbaugh effort, which convinced thousands of advertisers to refuse to sponsor Limbaugh's program. And he then launched the viral Dump Trump campaign in 2012 that was responsible for convincing many of Donald Trump's business partners to sever their relationships with Trump. He holds a bachelor's in American studies from Fordham University and a, and a JD from the University of Wisconsin Law. So <clears throat> this is the guy uh, who is heading up Media Matters now, uh, who's also doing the things and saying the things on social media that a lot of people bring into light right now, which are pretty crazy. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, Trash, I just want to point out, I feel like I was like all over the place uh, with my uh, explanation of like normizing and how it all goes together. But Darren Beatty, however, has done excellent reporting on this. Um, and it's called The Left's Legal Hatchet Man. Uh, and he's done extensive reporting on Norm Eisen's ties to color revolutions all over the world, as well as his extensive ties through these NGOs and other uh, organizations that the left has used to censor Americans um, brought in by the government. So I'm sorry for my all over explanation, but Darren Beatty has done excellent reporting. Check him out. Revolver News. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Revolver. <clears throat> Matter of fact, at the bottom of my thread. Uh, with the Michael Teeter thread, I noticed that they were reporting on this roughly the same time um, about Michael Teeter and the 65 Project and Ray Epps. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Revolver. I think they do great work. So uh, matter of fact, let me open that article because I bet there's a few things in here we could probably actually talk about that I did not. So cover. Trash, that uh, yeah. link I sent you in the DMs should have yeah. the links to directly to Norman Norm Eisen's Revolver News Expose. Actually, I have I had to request uh, access and I Google Docs. I oh, shit. OK, I'll do that. Sorry. Yep. I meant to tell you that. So while while she's doing that, because I'll pull that up. Um, I'm going to skip over the Ray Epps stuff. Oh, yeah. Darren Beatty did tweet about that. All right, cool. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's mostly just about Ray Epps in this in this reporting. I've seen plenty of his uh, reporting on this stuff, though. So, okay, so one of the key pillars of Brock's legal strategy was the aggressive use of lawfare tactics to embroil Trump and his allies, which is what I was going over with Crew. Brock sat on the board of Crew and the premier lawfare outfit run by another man whose dirty deeds revolver brought to national attention, a man by the name of Norm Eisen. So I've actually got that article right here. He actually linked it in this reporting here, so... 
Yeah, and his underling of David Brock. He's really good at linking back to his other articles to explain further. That's something I really like about Revolver News is that the links you need are right there. You don't have to go like digging for them. I know, it's great. Matter of fact, I'm actually going to put this link down in that, in the thread of threads. So we guys can see the original reporting, go back and reading it. But I, I just want to let me back this up a bit for a second. Do you guys kind of see now how all of this is coalescing, why we've been talking about this for so long? This is the, cent, the center of Democrat uniparty power for a long time now. Now, you'll see reporting. I saw some reporting, I think, from Washington Free Beacon where it's talking about how Obama hates David Brock and thinks he's weird. That may be. And I think he's weird. Like, he looks like one of the Lollipop Guild guys from Wizard of Oz. But at the end of the day... Like these guys had coalesced so much power in DC and influence and the amount of money that they're able to raise. And a lot of these outfits obviously are funded by George Soros and many of the common cast of characters. But this really is like the, the, the power center of all of this. And when you start looking at this and you say, okay, so what was American bridge? Well, American bridge uh, was the oppo research arm crew was the lawfare arm, right? Uh, Media Matters is obviously the fact-checking umbrella umbrella organization for media. And as you, as you keep going through this, let me get down past crew here. You get to Share Blue. Now, Share Blue, um, they're saying they'll take back social media. So this was their social media, specific social media plan that they put together. And they're saying that Share Blue will take back social media for Democrats. We will delegitimize Donald Trump's presidency by emboldening the opposition and empowering the majority of Americans who oppose him. Share Blue will be the dynamic nucleus of a multi-platform media company that informs, engages, and arms Americans to fight. Right. So this is how they connect all of these different things, especially with like what American Bridge and their Oppo research on uh, crew, the lawfare and watchdog group, Media Matters. And then they'll, they give you some highlights of what their plan was with this, which was willingness to engage partisan combat, connection to grassroots, Facebook native. So ShareBlue is a Facebook community first and foremost, but we do not need to adapt to a new environment. We're already here where we need to be. Emotionally resonant. So messaging based solely on facts doesn't resonate. Listen to this. Messaging based solely on facts doesn't resonate with a broad audience. Connection and engagement on a personal and emotional level, specifically hope, happiness, or anger, drive success. Depression is a disincentive to shares, and anything milk toast is toxic to our position. ShareBlue creates fact-based content that connects with our audience on a visceral, emotional level. They're saying that ShareBlue is the digital attacker, right? So this is this is like bot army. This is you know hordes of people being sent out that, you know, like, Hey, look at this post on X and you get all these non blue check marks engaging with it. I, I showed this the other day uh, when I went after Kinzinger, you guys, can, you guys can see those replies. It is unhinged. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Jen, go ahead. So is act blue part of this? Is that like how they're raising money or is that just something different? Cause we have share blue and then, but the act blue would be how they were raising the money a lot of times. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And they're still using act blue to this day. Um, obviously, I mean, I'm seeing candidates that are challenging uh, America first, uh, Congress people. It's all coming out of act blue. So we might have Brandon back to trash. Oh, cool. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? <laughs> hey, can you hear me? All right. 
Uh, thank you. I was having uh, some major connectivity issues with the space, and then uh, and then I got a phone call, and I just got off. So unfortunately, I missed everything you guys have talked about for about the last fifteen minutes. Uh, but when I originally was trying to come up, you were beginning to talk about crew, um, and I'm not going to ask you to, you know, uh, restate everything because obviously your audience was here and they heard it. Um, I just I got interested in coming up to speak when when I heard that because. Um, you know, obviously I have a pretty tight connection to January 6th and everything that happened there. And for anyone who doesn't know, this group CREW, uh, which stands for Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, um, is actually the group, I, you guys probably are aware that they are the group that's been behind trying to get Donald Trump removed from running for office in certain states. And you guys, I apologize. Please jump in and cut me off if you literally just said all of this stuff. No, this is perfect. This is perfect. I didn't really bring it up yet, so that's perfect. Uh, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> if you do find me repeating stuff you just said, just please feel free to jump in. Um, so I'm going to put in the nest right now a post that I created several months ago. It's a video that I created about somebody named Coy Griffin. And so Coy Griffin is, here we go. Let me just really quickly do this. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, it should be in the, yep, there we go. So Coy Griffin was a county commissioner in New Mexico who was at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, like me, he did not enter the building and he was never even accused of engaging in any violence, vandalism, theft, or destruction. He was literally uh, only charged with two misdemeanors. Uh, one was a trespassing on Capitol grounds, know that he's supposed to go to a bench trial he remembering which one either convicted of trespassing misdemeanor trespassing or he's convicted of misdemeanor disorderly um and if i recall correctly i think he was acquitted uh sorry about that uh, he was acquitted of the misdemeanor disorderly so um Use this case as as one to go after to try to establish a precedent, creating a civil lawsuit. Coy Griffin removed from his position as county commissioner to uh, under the Fourteenth Amendment, using the Fourteenth Amendment, stating that he engaged in insurrection. Is Brandon cutting out for anybody else, or is it just me? Yeah, no, he's cutting out. Okay, Brandon, Brandon are you we're on losing Wi-Fi, you. Maybe? Uh, is this any better? Yeah, much. Okay. Well, I hope you appreciate everything I'm about to say because I'm now standing in 115 degree sun in Orlando to get this out. Uh, but uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I was in a nice air conditioned lobby, and I stepped outside for you guys. Uh, but uh. <clears throat> All right, so just to quickly recap, Coy, Coy Griffin, County Commissioner, New Mexico, uh, was convicted of a Class B misdemeanor, uh, I believe, trespassing. And because of this conviction, this group crew went after him to try to establish precedents to remove somebody from office under the 14th Amendment. So they filed a lawsuit in New Mexico 
stating that Coy Griffin should not be allowed to hold public office because he engaged in insurrection and violated the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Now, they're choosing their lawsuits very strategically, both the, you know, in terms of the people they're going after and the areas in which they're going after people. You know, they're intentionally going after people in states like you know, Colorado or, or in districts where they know that there's going to be incredibly liberal judges, you know, potentially juries, things like that. So they made a good choice with Coy because they got an incredibly liberal judge in an incredibly liberal district, and he went for it. Despite the fact that Coy Griffin didn't engage in any violence and didn't go into the Capitol on January 6th and literally was only convicted of trespassing on grounds, the judge removed him from office saying that he violated the 14th Amendment and engaged in insurrection. And that's where this precedence has now been set that groups like Crew and others can then go after other people who were there on January 6th and say the precedent has already been set. A federal judge has already ruled that this was an insurrection and therefore anybody you know who was there or convicted or charged or whatever should not be allowed to hold public office. And with Coy Griffin's removal, he at this point, he's appealing. But at this point, as it stands, he's not allowed to hold any public office of any kind for the rest of his life because a federal judge determined that he engaged in insurrection. And this is crew. Crew is the group that is behind this. Um, so I just wanted to give a little context about who they are and what they're doing. And of course, there's a lot more than that as well. Well, and Brandon, I just want to give a little context on Kui because he was with us uh, during the uh, We Build the Wall stuff. And then he was also there uh, on March for Trump. He had his horse. Um, and then he's also ridden his horse as a preacher all across the world. Like he literally rode his horse to Jerusalem um, in Israel. He's a preacher. He's a good man. He's a stand-up citizen. He's a stand-up American. And like it, for him to be removed from office over something like this is a great loss uh, for the people of New Mexico and honestly the people of America because Pui is the kind of guy we want in office, um, not these crazy folks. No, one hundred percent accurate. And uh, Brandon, also thank you for that. By the way, that's a that's actually a great additional color in between the lines, like. Listen, sometimes I can be a little black and white and, and sometimes I'm, you know, just down the middle as far as like um, trying to present the receipts so people understand and you can make your own uh, decisions. But I really need people like, like like you guys to come in and say, hey, by the way, here's a perfect example. Not only here. OK, so I'm telling you who they are. Brandon comes in and tells you what they're doing with it. And uh, I think it's very, very important. So I'm really glad you came in with that. <clears throat> and Jen, it kind of shows the, this lawfare arm and how. And how pernicious and and important to them Norm Eisen was, right? Well, like, and make no mistake, trash. Like Norm Eisen knows the law, right? He's no stupid idiot, right? He, I mean, he is a stupid idiot, but like he knows the law. He knows how to use the law in order to make it so like. And they, we gave them the playbook in 2016, right? They saw what happened, and because Hillary, I'm going to say it again, hit the ceiling and didn't break the ceiling, okay, they were able to go back with their forensic people and look at exactly who to target, where the social media presence was, who were the influencers in 2016, who was holding power, and they were able to strategically target those people in order to carry this out. And just to add more about Kui, Kui runs Cowboys for Trump, right? Those were, he was the guy with the horse at the Trump rally. Like 
he they knew to target him because he brought a lot of people into Trump. He brought a whole mess of people. And they know by targeting people like Steve Bannon, like Brandon Strzok, like Cooey Griffin, like I could keep going, going, going. If you're able to take those people out, their whole network goes with it. And anything that they've built up, they're able to just take away from you, your bank account. You're not able to function in society. And the closer they do that to elections, right, the the, the more damage it has because people aren't able to recover because they don't have the 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 ability, like the bank, the money, the everything, even your cell phones, your electronic device is gone, gone. And it's really not as easy to just go out and buy it when you don't have a bank account, right? So they, they've used lawfare in order just to take people out. And even if you do get justice, right? You've had a whole slew of freaking articles written about how you're a terrible person, insurrectionist, wanted to take over the government, right? And they never print the retractions, right? And if they do print the retractions, they go in, they change the date, they don't make an announcement, and people aren't able to get their good names back, right? So whenever you put someone's name in Google, God forbid, you're going to get all these stories. And if you're hiring someone or you're going to like do business with someone, you're like, oh, do I really want to get involved with all this shitstorm? No, right? So it, it completely takes you out of the game, and no one knows that better than Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Brandon, you got your hand up. Go ahead. That was perfect. That was a nice lob there. Look. Uh, yeah, and actually, Jennifer, you just said I don't even know where to start now because you just said like ten things that I want to comment on but i'll try to just choose one or two um i want to go back uh before i disconnected from you guys like 15 minutes ago you were also talking about some of the strategies that these people employ and how they're basically you know have these systems in place where they're interconnected with different groups and uh, it's not just the lawfare it's the like cyber attacks using bots and things like that um a great example would be literally just a couple of days ago i um i posted the now newly released footage that showed Matthew Perna calmly walking through the Capitol. Uh, now, remember, the reason why Matthew killed himself is because he pled guilty um, to some low-level charges. And then after pleading guilty, the government said, just kidding, uh, now that you've pled guilty, we're also going to add a terrorism enhancement to your sentencing, uh, which would put you in prison for upwards of nine years. Uh, now, the key word here is terrorism. We didn't know until the other day when we started to see new footage come out of Matthew Perna walking around with a cell phone in his hand, shooting videos with police officers standing all around him as he's calmly walking through the Capitol. So I posted that footage and I said, here's newly released footage of Matthew Perna calmly walking around the Capitol. You know, immediately, of course, my comments were in and well, not immediately. Actually, there was an enormous amount of support for Matthew and an enormous amount of outrage from people who were like, this is outrageous and people need to pay for what has been done. Then the counterattack began. And at that point I started, you know, getting all these very nasty comments from people saying it's good that he killed himself. More J sixers should be killing themselves, you know, that kind of thing. But then there was this very peculiar response I got, which was a photograph of one of the nine 11 terrorists, going through security at the airport and the poster the account wrote here's footage of one of the 9-11 terrorists calmly walking through the airport what's your point 
And I responded to him. I said, okay, well, if you can provide me footage of Matthew Perna hijacking an airplane, flying it into a building and murdering thousands of people, then I will consider your analogy to be apt and we can have a conversation. But at the moment, I thought that I was talking to a person. But then that same exact post with that same exact picture began appearing in my comments dozens and dozens of times, exactly word for word. And I'm like, holy shit, somebody read my post, put this together and deployed a bot army to get in there because these people don't want you to believe that people that anyone on January 6th was not a terrorist. They don't want you, they don't want anyone being humanized. They love that Matthew Perna killed himself. They love that everybody on January 6th is being presented as a dangerous murdering terrorist and anything that could contradict that belief is threatening to them. And so they're ready at a moment's notice to deploy bot armies to try to sway the opinion of anybody that they can possibly sway so that their version of events doesn't in any way get contradicted. And so I just wanted to make that point. And Jennifer, you said like a dozen other super interesting things, but I'm going to just limit it to that at the moment. Yeah, no, Brandon, you're so right. And I think that was the whole point of January 6th. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, But you said a lot of good points as well. It's like, that was the whole point of January 6th. You had all of Donald Trump's most like, like, frivolent supporters, right? Who were able, who took off work, who spent money, who were willing to stand there peacefully and, and say like, no, we're not tolerating this. And that's the one thing other than the court system in America, the, the next best thing to sway opinion in America is the media, right? And they had control of the media. I would argue the media participated in January 6th, um, not just with a fake narrative, um, but how did the people get into the Capitol, right? Like, how did they have the cameras set up at all the right locations, right? That's something that really bothers me. Um, but th- they had to do that. And, and and they had to label us all as terrorists and then invoke the 9-11 thing because that'll tug at the heartstrings of Americans because it'll take them back to that moment on 9-11 when they saw the planes hitting the towers, right? And they're like, oh, my God, these people... That was the reaction they thought they were going to get. But instead, the American people are a lot smarter. And, and that's why I get so mad in these when we were doing the J6 spaces the other day, when people are like, oh, well, all this footage has been out there. OK, yes, yes. Have we all put it out there? Have we all been freaking screaming from the top of the freaking roofs? Like, yes, 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 we have done that. And you know what? That that will come back to us. When when we stand before God and, and he says, yes, you did the right thing of standing up for the truth. But until we get to that point, there is still a whole bunch of people in this country that up until the other day, when that footage was released from the official congressional website, was like, oh, wait, wait a second. Those crazy people who have been screaming were actually freaking I'm right. Well, sir. How are you? Hang on, Savvy, your hot mic. Oh, I just saw you on the uh, on the uh, Savvy hot mic caller ID. So, oh. yeah, <laughs> poor Savvy. But yeah, I think you guys get the point. But Brandon, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, I just wanted to say. I, I mean, I I use this analogy often that to me it feels, especially in the last say I don't know three four years. 
like there's almost these like left wing sleeper cells that are awakening. And, you know, I haven't been on the right for very long. I've been a conservative now for six or seven years. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of you, it's been your entire lives. But it's like, you know, I, I think I've been a conservative long enough that I definitely consider myself one of you guys. And it's like our side was so unprepared for all of this. It's like all of this organization has been going on in the background for so long for like these moments where they knew that they could be structured and organized enough to start deploying these war tactics against us. And it's like our side had no idea any of this is happening. This is not a coincidence. Like this is when, when we're having these feelings, like we're feeling overwhelmed and outpowered and like, what the hell is going on? This is not a coincidence. This has been organized for a very, very long time. They have been putting lawyers into nonprofit legal organizations with the intention of going after and destroying conservatives. Like this has been long planned. They've long been planning their legal strategies of how to do this. These organizations are all connected to other nonprofit organizations that are deploying protesters. It is not a coincidence that three, four weeks ago, we didn't know that there were that many people in this country who even knew what Palestine was or cared. Now suddenly we have hundreds of thousands of left-wing protesters storming into buildings and storming the streets uh, screaming for Palestine. Like, how did this happen? This has all been very organized behind the scenes quietly for a long time. And now it's like these sleeper cells are kind of waking up. And to, I, I believe me, I know I sound like a crazy person with a tinfoil hat, but they have invaded all of these different institutions, including like Google is a great example. You know, before January 6th, and this, I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass. I'm, I'm making a point here. Before January 6th, I had appeared on Fox News more than 75 times. I had appeared on Newsmax, OAN, hundreds of times over the two and a half years. You can't even find those articles anymore, including the ones that are, are post-January 6th. Tucker Carlson had me on four times on his show on Fox after January 6th. Now, we're talking about the top-rated cable news show on the top-rated cable news network, you can't even find, if you Google my name, those articles. But if you Google my name, you know what you do find? About 20 pages of a story about my involvement in an insurrection. And the reason why this is relevant and I'm bringing this up is you'll even find articles from little local outlets out of Arizona and Idaho. You'll find articles from LGBT publications that are probably read by 12 people total. But you're telling me my appearances on Tucker Carlson are not getting enough hits that they're appearing in, in the, the results. But LGBTQ Nation's article that calls me a gay insurrectionist in the headline is appearing as like the seventh ranking article about me. This is all by design. And I, I, you can call me crazy. You can call me a conspiracy theorist. I don't give a shit. But there are people inside of Google who are prioritizing the search results so that People like me or anyone else, the public is only going to get their pre-constructed narrative of who, who I am as a human being. Any positive press about me is never going to be seen. Anything about the work I've done for Walkaway will not be seen. But if there, if there was an article, if a blogger with, with three subscribers put out an article today insinuating that I'm responsible for people being killed at the Capitol and put that in the headline, I guarantee you that would be sitting at probably the number four or five search result under my name because they are intentionally ranking it. This is all by design.
and these every all right i'll leave it there no preach brandon preach yeah 100 percent. like you can leave it there and real quick as an update breaking as of uh 17 minutes ago uh rumble is currently experiencing a major DDoS dial it denial of service attack. Said there are our engineers. Oh, sorry, I keep getting banners. Our engineers are investigating and we will be reporting back here with updates. So they're now going after and attacking Rumble. Obviously, there's a lot of people talking today about not only what they didn't want you to see about January 6th, right? Because it's it's absolutely imploding the narrative. But they also don't want people talking about this media matters thing as well. Like the, the absolute narrative that they have spent billions on, of dollars and these systems, billions of dollars to be building out these different apparatus is crumbling. And Brandon, that's why Brandon's such a threat, because the success behind Walkaway and what that did to the messaging and lockstep that they were using uh, is a serious problem. And we know Google's way compromised, uh, more than happy to. Uh, lick the boot of, of the authority and probably consider themselves the actual branch of government that controls all of us. So, uh, Jen, go ahead. Yeah, Trash, I just want to add that there was rumblings that Rumble was going to join uh, Twitter's lawsuit or X's lawsuit, right? They did. Chris Pavlovsky said he's joining the lawsuit uh, against Media Matters with uh, Elon. So that he said, Chris oh, Pavlovsky. so so all of a sudden there's that announcement, and now there's a DDoS attack because Kelly was trying to get the stream on our Rumble channel, and she said it was glitching out terrible. She couldn't even use it, right? So all of a sudden they announced that they're going to join this lawsuit, and now they're under this DDoS attack. So I had to jump in here. I've been listening, Millie. <laughs> I've been listening while I've been working out, and. I just, I heard the story about Rumble getting a DDoS attack, and this is exactly why we created QUX. Exactly why. So, funny story, um, I went down to visit Rudy Giuliani, like, a while ago. I think this was in 2021, even. And I was showing him QUX, why we are in earlier development with it. And even then, we had our network up and running, and... The day, it was almost like somebody knew, right? But don't, don't mind the fact that earlier in the hotel, it was like a giant spook fest. Um, but it was almost like they knew we were going to meet with Rudy Giuliani that morning and that we wanted to show him QUX and demo it for him. And so our site, website, was hit with a massive DDoS attack. Like a very, our, our programmers, our, our tech people uh, came away after that. And our CTO said that it was a very sophisticated attack, not your average keyboard kitty attack. And the irony of the whole thing was when I sat down and showed it to Rudy, he was actually very impressed because although they could DDoS the site, and I think they DDoS like a submit button of some sort right? Where you just hit it a bunch of times and it just, you know, messes with the site and, and then you lose functionality of your site. Well, they couldn't touch the network. They couldn't touch the boxes. So even though the site was hit with a massive DDoS attack, our entire network was completely untouched 
and impenetrable. So all the portals were working, the streams were working, you could watch the videos. So it ended up working to our benefit because we were able to demonstrate to Rudy Giuliani, look, look, hey, even though they attacked our website with a massive DDoS attack, this is why it's so important to have your own network with your own devices because they can't penetrate the network or the devices in your traditional way that they would a website, right? So so many of these people who are just running their networks or shows, whatever, off of websites, they can get hit by these attacks, say, while they're in the middle of election coverage, right? Which something happened to um, frankspeech.com, not this past election, but it was the one before that. Uh, a massive uh, something, right? Their, all their streams were down. Their, their site was having massive issues. Meanwhile, we had no issue. The, st the stream was going perfectly fine on QUX and people could watch uh, Lindell TV and their election coverage uninterrupted on QUX while their entire site was down, right? So yeah, the, I, I just wanted to come in and kind of point out why we have to be thinking along these lines and some of these things that are popped up and presented to us as actual solutions um, they're, they're not like people aren't thinking things through far enough because they never think it will happen to them. Right. They, they don't think it's going to happen. So just want to jump in and good, it's good to see all you guys. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you. So I'm glad you're back with us. I know you're probably busy, but I, at the start of the show, I did give you a shout out. I randomly came across your video you uploaded four days ago. I haven't been able to finish it. So I'm going to go back and finish it once we're done with the space, but I'm glad to see you back in action and you're 100% yeah. right. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for watching that trash. And, uh, when you get through the rest of it, um, let me know what you think. I'm probably going to be doing, trying to film another show today. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing it live or pre-recorded, but, um, if I do do it live, think about trying to like do a space while I do, do it. it. And then, like, but have me still standing in front of the camera, if that makes sense, when I'm streaming yep. out to my other platforms. Um, so that should be interesting to try to experiment with new ways to incorporate spaces into my different feeds. Um, and I, I think it's a good concept for all of you guys. And I know American Mission's been streaming on QUX. We've got an American Mission portal on QX and you guys uh, stream the feeds. So, you know, even though Rumble's having this DDoS attack right now and maybe... Who knows? Your feeds aren't probably working there. They are perfectly fine on QUX. I know. I just checked. Yay. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, go ahead, oh, Jen. Sorry, Trish. I was going to say the DDoS attack. Billy, I think this happened to you too. Right before we got raided, our uh, America First project sites were hit with a replicating DDoS attack that intact our internal servers. Like, Something like even the computer people were like, we don't even know what this is or where it came from, like, or how this happened. And I think that happened to your guys' stuff, not QUX, like before all this, uh, right before they raided you. So this is like a tactic that the government uses um, to just wipe you. So if they're going to raid you or they're trying to just like silence you. They will literally go in with these sophisticated computer hacks that will go in and intact your whole internal networks and take it down. So then even if something does happen to you, you don't have the ability to get it out to anyone uh, to let people know what's happening. 
And they can do these attacks strategically at the right moment where it, it counts. So we know that, you know, they're probably, they're undergoing this DDoS attack right now, and then they're going to get their stuff together, and then they're going to be fine, right? And they're going to keep carrying on. But it's, see, it's strategic. Like when they did, uh, when, when Mike Lindell's election feed went down on election night coverage, right? So if there's some kind of big event going on, something along those lines, all they have to do is target these websites that are carrying this, this content, these streams, with these DDoS attacks, and then the site goes down for a couple hours or maybe even a day, and then they're able to uh, dominate and dictate the narrative to the people. Because look, news moves fast. It does. Um, and like, for example, the coverage we were all doing on election night of 2020, do you know how many Stanford researchers from the Stanford Research uh, Observatory and all these like scientists and researchers had been studying our coverage on election night and the way things went down. And they figured out how, how they could try to subvert us and essentially uh, censor us, right? So yeah, they actually have teams of scientists, specialists, researchers, figuring out how to better control the narrative and do real lifetime censorship. And so, I mean, they've actually done articles on this, guys. And I think it was it, what was that lady's name? Oh, I can't remember her name. But yeah, they've, they've done actual articles about this. And they did one on me and Steve Bannon um, and on our election night coverage because we had so many people watching and we were literally just real live time covering the news. Just like how, you know, uh, people on these spaces, especially American Mission, have been able to do real live time coverage of you know, East Palestine and all these other events as they happen. And if you're able to just silence people for like a couple hours or even a day, it can actually make a big impact on the narrative. And, and they know this. They know this. Thank you. Mind if I jump in here? Real yeah, quick? I was just about to call on you because oh, uh, you guys are so close to tying this tying this all together and you know I, i've been following along with the, the google thing for a while uh i watched millie's Shadowgate some years ago and and that really got me going on this information warfare and i don't know if you guys are familiar with the name of dr robert epstein but my contention is that dr robert epstein's interview is what originally was what got joe rogan canceled when they tried to cancel rogan and said that it was covid disinformation it was actually his interview with Dr. Robert Epstein, and Dr. Robert Epstein used to work for Google, and he wasn't okay with what Google is doing. And a, 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 a very important bit of background for Google that a lot of people don't know is that they control, they have the only, the web crawler, the only one, and on Saturday, January 31st of 2009, Google blacklisted the entire internet for the entire world on a morning when the stock market was closed. So if you were to try and go to the internet on Saturday, January 31st, 2009, you wouldn't be able to go to any website. And, you know, all this DDoSing and all this uh, suspicious activity, Google can go straight to the source and silence anybody that they want to. And not only that, when you see those Google Earth cars going through your neighborhood, mapping all the houses and stuff they're not just mapping your houses they're also collecting your wi-fi data 
And I, I would highly encourage everybody to go and look into Dr. Robert Epstein and all of his research and, and put together a bigger picture because there's a lot of really good researchers on this panel right now and in this space. And I feel like if you guys put your minds together and, and, and worked to figuring out this Google uh, puzzle piece, it would be huge. And then on top of that, uh, Brandon was speaking and he was talking about the LGBTQ nation articles and how if you go to Google, all, only bad things are indexed about him when you search him. And uh, I, I would like to point to Reddit and Reddit is, I, I do believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think Reddit is controlled by a woman named Jessica Ashu, who is a former Intel asset for the Bush administration and was like, uh, he and I'm sure I could Google it real quick and I'm probably going to mix some things up, but she was key in his Middle East policies before being handed the reins at Reddit somehow. And uh, I saw entire subreddits go completely dark after this woman was mentioned and uh, what, what, her, what her role is there. And it's really suspicious, and I think some people should look into that too. Because this whole Reddit, if you go to Google and type in anything, a Reddit result is the first curated. Um, we all know the, the policies over at Reddit are extremely anti-left, or anti-right. And uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of pieces there. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty smart fellow, but I don't really have the time to, uh, to put this all into awesome threads like you guys do. But I, I would love to see it done. Uh, I'm just going to yeah. go right there. Thank you. No, I'm very, yeah, and I'm very familiar with that. I wasn't really on the Google stuff so much. I understand what you're saying. And, and I've, I've, matter of fact, Epstein was just recently on with Robert Bowes on Tim Pool. I was talking to Robert about that before he did his appearance. And, and like he said, he says some compelling things. And, and, I, and I think it's very important to note what we're talking about in this space specifically, and I appreciate the kind words also. Uh, what we're talking about here is the actual, so like the influence machine that they're using, basically weaponizing lawfare, uh, weaponizing opposition research, using this to inject pundits into mainstream media, legacy media that all parrot the same things, uh, inserting quote unquote journalists into these publications, all parroting the same things. What you're talking about, yeah, is part of the censorship and the overall control of the whole of the internet. You're not wrong. You're 100% correct. Uh, and there will be a day where I'm going to actually probably have a Google space because I got a lot to say on that. Uh, but this one here, what we're talking about is directly related to what what what's, what Elon Musk is going through. Now, what's interesting, you mentioned about Google. And I just want to touch on one thing you said. So I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Rumble, one, one of the biggest pieces of why Rumble is uh, a great company is not because they're an alternative to YouTube. It's because they're an alternative to Amazon Web Services. And by having their own servers, by, by creating a, a, a web server platform, that's why they're problematic for them as well. Uh, but they're not against censorship because they still have to abide by TOS in regards to App Store and, and iOS, which is why I think Millie's you know, QUX is very, very important because that's not subject to any of that stuff. So, yeah, but exactly. you're, not, you're not far and off. And then payment processors. Let's not forget. Yep, 100% payment processors as well. Uh, Dan Bond, you know, I think he's rolling one out too also, but yours is, yeah. And uh, so it's, it's important to note, guys, um, this is building that parallel economy away from this complete control over it. Yeah, Jen, go ahead. Sorry, guys, I just got out of the store. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm at lunch. Uh, Jen, go ahead. 
Yeah, trash. Actually, um, I put a uh, space up in the nest. We're going to open a space with American Mission, kind of like a call to action, support Elon and this uh, Media Matters David Brock thing. Um, so right after you close this space, I'll just open that one. So it's up in the nest if you want to RSVP for it. And I just want to say, um, QUX just launched uh, its payment processor in the Google Play Store um, this past week. So you guys can download that as well and use it as a private encrypted secured payment processor. And if I sound like I have a lisp, it's because I do because I'm wearing my retainers right now. But I just I wanted to add that in. <laughs> yeah, everybody go check that out. And, and I do see the space up top. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Millie, if you want to come and talk about QUX, uh, you're more than welcome. Thank you. Okay. Well, this has been a great space so far, guys. We are an hour and a half into it. And uh, again, now you can kind of see just how the how the rot is so deep, not only in Silicon Valley, but in D.C. and what this, what this is. I haven't even gotten to facts first yet, so... Uh, I think we're going to buckle that up, but uh, Jen, go ahead. That way I can drive back to the office. Yeah, I really want to go after the uh, attorney-client privilege of the left, right? They went after it with Michael Cohen and Donald Trump, and he lost his attorney-client privilege. Like, why can't we do that to them? Because we know that they're hiding, like, a lot of this nefarious stuff that they're doing that's, how they call it, extra-constitutional, right? That they're hiding it because all the lawyers are the same. They're all working for the same group. So it's even like just going across the hallway and being like, oh, we need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, they might not even have to leave the building in order to get some of this shit done. So if, if they can do that on the right, they've already cracked it. Can we not go after their attorney-client privilege on the left? Oh, 100%. Trash. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I, I, I'm driving back to the office, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I was like, oh shit, trash is driving. I realized that after that came out of my mouth. Sorry. Savvy, what are you doing? Are you there? Help me out here, somebody. She's probably a client. Yeah, go ahead, that's Julie. okay, Jen. I got you. I'm here I now. I'm here now. Sorry. Sorry. What? Yes. Hi. We're we're killing time. Trash is driving back, so we don't want trash spacing and driving. Oh, understood. Great. Just say no to Great. Great. I am really. I, I've already. Uh, I texted Aaron. I'm like, would you like to make Millie a co-host? I literally have nothing to contribute. I am learning along with a lot of these listeners, like, so I don't know how I'm going to fill space. Um, well, you know, I think that there's a couple things that I, I wanted to talk about as well. So I could kind of fill some space in here, but you guys are probably going to hear even more of it when I do my stream later on today, if you guys want to watch my show. But um, I, I guess one of the main things is the recent arrest of John Sullivan, you know, and I know you guys probably talked about this stuff, um, you know, covering it live real time. But I mean, to me, this just it, it, it vindicates so much of what we all have been saying. It vindicates the, the documentary movie I put out in February of 2021, PSYOP, The Seal, 
which pretty much exposed how much John Sullivan uh, played a role in January 6th and the activities that happened at the Capitol. But one thing I will say is, in my opinion, guys, the hearings and the charges that they pushed against John Sullivan were completely like it was like a little slap on the back of the hand compared to what they could have charged him with. Right. Um, they charged him with um, disrupting a congressional hearing. Um, one other thing, uh, I think it was um, like trespassing or something of the sort where basically they just gave him a slap on the hand. Right. Just to appease all of the people who are upset about the fact that these Trump supporting um, MAGA protesters who went there peacefully that have all been incarcerated and thrown in jail with harsh prison sentences. All the while, somebody like John Sullivan and Antifa BLM, a person who was on film talking about wanting to uh, incite Trump supporters, breaking windows, telling people to burn this, you know what, down in relation to the Capitol he was the one who actually filmed Ashley Babbitt shooting because he was right there, right up in the mess of what was going on and encouraging it. Um, I'm I'm concerned as to why they didn't charge him with incitement, why they didn't charge him with insurrection when there was literally video recording of him saying and speaking with his other um, his, his camera person who was there when, when they were filming this Netflix pilot that they were making for a show. Well, Millie, you would be so proud of Jen because the other day somebody came in who was sympathizing with John Sullivan and she went off. It was freaking awesome. Yeah, that's baloney. Why would anyone be sympathizing with John Sullivan? He literally was teaching and training people in black block dress code and black block um, Antifa protest riot techniques in his videos leading up to um, the Capitol. He had an event literally posted on the day of the Capitol for him and his other Antifa BLM's meetup spot to be at the wa- the Washington Monument to then walk over to the Capitol. Um, the whole time, you know, he, he was literally pushing this idea to trying to make the Trump supporter Fs up. I mean, they have him on video saying this, to make the Trump supporters Fs up. Um, he wore Trump attire and posted COINTEL in his posts, like he was trying to, you know, look like a Trump supporter in the in the crowd, and and also co-intel, um, you know, that's kind of suspicious as well. And we've already documented a lot of the other uh, bizarre, I don't know, FBI Fed influences um, at the J six event that day. But one of the things I think that was extremely alarming was the relationship between John Sullivan and his brother James Sullivan. And James Sullivan being on the Trump side, the essentially embedding himself and being part of the Proud Boys. And there were so many witnesses that actually came forward to me later, um, wanting to remain anonymous, that were actually inside Proud Boys and inside some of these other organizations who basically corroborated the fact that both brothers seem to be pitting these protest groups at each other in order to create psyops in the media for media outlets to come cover the civil unrest that was taking place on the streets under president trump you know and that and that gives trump a bad rap 
right? That allowed the media to push the narrative that Trump was creating civil unrest, Trump was creating race tensions, riots, all these things by having, you know, Proud Boys going out and getting in, into it with the street with BLM and Antifa. And people thinking that that's just coincidental when you have um, two brothers whose daddy works in, uh, you know, contracting military intelligence in psychological operations. And, and the, one of the people, um, witnesses that came forward who I had a video deposition of, which all of that stuff was uh, given over to the White House and um, investigators, they pretty much uh, detailed about how they were at various fancy country clubs with both of the Sullivan brothers when they were um, meeting about their Netflix documentary that they were going to be filming about brothers on both sides of the political aisle. Um, and that a lot of this was just show theater. So this is what's going on. Like we think that all this stuff is just organically happening when it's not, and you actually have a lot of staging. You have people who, um, you have people who are literally orchestrating and making things happen. And even to the extent that they want, they knew that stuff was going to happen. They were orchestrating stuff to happen in regards to January 6th, that they were there filming a Netflix pilot. Okay. And, and James Sullivan even had come out and, and had said in, in DMS and we have all kinds of evidence of James Sullivan saying that, you know, John Sullivan and the 226 Antifa need to be investigated because they were the ones who did this, right? So they completely want to cover up all of the left-wing involvement and they want to make it all about Trump supporters because they have a narrative to paint. It's a narrative that they're trying to paint here. And I think that's the most important thing with these, these tapes coming out is it's showing just how much the media has tried to push a narrative instead of actually trying to get to the truth. And the truth of the matter is it's not that there weren't any Trump supporters that went into the Capitol, because sure, yeah, there were Trump supporters that went into the Capitol, but most of them were just peaceful people who wanted to protest walking in, even being waved in by law enforcement in many instances. Okay. But then you actually did have Proud Boys who are FBI informants, whose leadership's FBI informants, who some of them are, are, are working uh, in order to create a PSYOP, right? And then you actually had people dressed in black block, like these left-wing protesters who, you know, John Sullivan and his Antifa showed up there to create havoc. He says off the cuff, recorded, you know, there's this conversation with him and Jade Sacker where they're like, wow, we, she's like, wow, you did it. You were right. You were right. And he's like, yeah, I know I couldn't say too much, but yet, you know, I told you this was going to happen. This time. Like completely confession, admission. He needs to be charged. They need to throw the, if they actually wanted to find the truth, they would throw the book at John Sullivan so hard with so many daunted charges over daunting charges over that man's head that he would start squealing and ratting out his other Antifa comrades. That's what they would do if they wanted to actually get to the bottom and find out the truth. If they actually wanted to get to the bottom, they would investigate the Sunrise Zoom calls. And do you guys know that in the Sunrise Zoom calls where they were plotting about taking over the Capitol building, okay, um, that they actually had all these people's phone numbers in there in the discords, we had phone numbers, we have names, we have all this information that you could take a team of people to try to comb through 
and, and see if you can pinpoint with the cell phone geolocation tracking data and pinpoint those individuals, their whereabouts on that day. Like there's a way you could actually find out who was all there. There's a way you can find out what happened. But see, that's not what it's about. They already know what happened. They want to paint a narrative against Trump and against Trump supporters so they can have the moral high ground to politically persecute their political opponents. That's what it's about. 100%. And that's where crew comes in, right? That's the, that's the lawfare arm of this. Exactly, Trash. And you can um, explain more gently than I can about like what happened in that space the other day, but like what Millie just laid out, right? Like when, when I heard that, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Am I living in a freaking parallel freaking universe right now? Like he is the only one who's on camera saying we did it. He submitted his uh, his evidence to these uh, Australian news outlets, CBS, CNN, got paid $90,000 and was court ordered to give it back, to give it back. Okay, so like, what the hell is going on here? And like, I, I, I still can't get over that conversation the other day, but I'm not going to do it gently. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Uh, Millie, yeah. I think we need to repackage those Zoom calls and uh, and get those out there again to the public. So you know, yeah. I want to to put a documentary together, guys, about all this information and actually lay out what really happened. Um, but these things take money, time. I mean, it's not easy to put together documentaries. Um, so it's one of those things where I just haven't gotten around to. But maybe if I actually had help, you know, if yep. Gavin and I had some help, that would, you know, we could make that happen. You know I would help. What are you What are you talking about, Millie? You know I. Help. Yeah, maybe you know we've got any editors in here. We've got people who could do narration, help put this stuff together. I mean, we need a team of people, but you know we have so much information here. I think we we really need to put it into a digestible format so that your everyday people can watch it. And then we just put the documentary out for free. Anyone can watch it, right? Yep, I'm in. Uh, I can help with narration. I can probably help with uh, sourcing. Um, light editing. I'm not, a, I'm not a pro at that. I mean, I make memes, but like, let's keep it real. That's not professional editing, but, uh, you know, narration and sourcing. Yes, I can. And I want to, um, and I had to talk to you about something offline as well, Millie, regarding the sunrise zoom calls, but maybe we hold that back until uh, work on the project, but uh, I'll talk to you about that offline. Sorry about that. I just had to swallow. Guys, real quick, let me recap the room here real quick. We've got, obviously, an amazing panelist. We've got Brandon and Millie and Jen and Savvy and Kim and Base Deer. So appreciate you guys. What we've been reviewing is how David Brock has been left out of the conversation in this whole Media Matters thing uh, since Friday with Elon Musk. And everyone's fo focusing in on Angelo. And, like, yeah, rightfully so. He's president of Media Matters. I get it. And he's got a, a plenty of contemptible social media posts and articles that he's written and he's a terrible, terrible person. But the Norm Eisens of the world, Mike, Michael Teeters of the world, right? Michael Teeter being involved in the lawfare uh, arm of this. Norm Eisen, the lawfare arm of this. David Brock creating a false opposition research arm in American Bridge. Uh, and then using that, using Media Matters and that info to then uh, create pundits and journalists and insert them into various legacy media channels to pump out this really the real misinformation and lies and uh, to uh, fool the public into believing something that's true that's not. 
January 6th is the ultimate narrative burst, and it's just getting started. And Media Matters was stupid enough to pull this against uh, uh, Twitter, well, X. Uh, and now you've got Chris Pavlovsky at Rumble, Elon Musk at, at X going after Media Matters. But David Brock does not get a pass here. This guy is at the center of everything deplorable about the rot in the swamp that is D.C. And uh, bringing light into these topics can start to start to start to sanitize some of this this disgusting rot that's happening so that's what we've been talking about down in the chat there's a thread that i put together this was about ray epps's attorney but it still is is prescient given that i put the receipts to the david brock memo in 2017 establishing american bridge the oppo research arm crew uh the weaponized lawfare arm and share blue which was supposed to be the centerpiece of controlling information deploying bots and other influence operations on social media uh, platforms. And then the next tweet in there is the David Brock plan for 2022-2024. And this includes uh, Facts First USA, which I had not gotten into Facts First yet. Uh, I'm about to get into Facts First now. Uh, so, Millie, before I get into the Facts First, do you want to plug your stuff? Brandon, do you want to plug anything as well? And then I'll get us back on track with the uh, Facts First. Um, I, I mean, I'm not really sure. I guess I could plug uh, letting people know where to find out more about QUX at QUXnow.com. If you guys want to become part of that community, um, America Mission streams their spaces on there. That's where I'm streaming my shows as well. Um, you can find Lindell TV, RAV, um, Rudy Giuliani's show, Pete Sensil, and a bunch of other people posting different content streaming and the best part is is it is all private encrypted secured and please if you guys also have a google phone um you can download the qx pay app from google play uh if you guys could help us out by downloading it and check checking it out maybe even writing a review that would be great that would be helpful but that's a payment processor that doesn't spy on you surveil you or track you which is super awesome and allows you to send money to friends family people you support you know, use it in whichever way you, you choose. Um, so yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Excellent. Thanks. And Brandon, if you're still with us, I know you're probably doing some stuff there in Orlando, but if there's anything you wanted to bring on, I know that WakaCon was a great success. Congratulations to you and everybody that showed up there. Uh, if you want to talk about, I know you've got an app, a walkaway app and maybe something that you're working on for the future, man. Thank you, Trash. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. Yeah, um, WakaCon was a beast of an event, and I, I don't think a lot of people realize that my team is five people. <laughs> so um, they come, and uh, or if you're watching the live stream or come to my events, um, you know, not trying to pat myself on the back, but I think a lot of people see what we do, and they probably think we have 50 people uh, putting this shit together, but we don't. We have five people uh, doing these events that I think are at the same caliber of a lot of the stuff that Turning Point and CPAC and the other organizations are doing who do have a thousand employees. Uh, so now that that's over and we can actually catch our breath uh, before jumping in and starting the next one, um, I'm going to be putting a lot of focus on <clears throat> promoting uh, a couple of things that we have going on in the present. One of them is, of course, the app that we rolled out called Walkaway Social. And just really quickly, the reason why we rolled this app out is because the Walkaway group on Facebook where we began was banned in January of 2021 for literally no reason. Uh, we got caught up in the sweep of hundreds of thousands of accounts that were banned um, 
two days after January 6th, same day that they banned President Trump. Um, it actually didn't even have anything to do with my arrest or quote unquote participation because no one even knew at that point that I had been standing outside of the Capitol. So they banned our group. We lost 511,000 people and tens of thousands of walkaway stories uh, in an instant when they banned the group. So we launched our own app. Our app functions pretty much identically to Facebook. It's almost exactly the same. Um, the one thing that we did a little bit different is that we wanted to encourage community and engagement. So rather than making it like an open form <clears throat> platform where, you know, you create a profile and just post on your profile, whatever, we encouraged people to join groups and post in groups, um, which at first might sound a little bit lame, but it's actually been really cool because you can join Walkaway Social and start posting in groups. And on day one, you're going to get a decent amount of engagement. And Lord knows here on Twitter, people have been using, you know, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, whatever, you can be on these apps for 10, 15 years and not really get an opportunity to gain a following or gain a lot of traction. I mean, there, there are people who have been on Twitter for 15 years and when they post, they get one retweet and three likes. Um, on my platform, when you post, you're almost guaranteed to get, you know, 30 likes, 15 comments, because everyone's going to see your your stuff and it, it's very community based. Sorry, I'm going on too long, but the point is that's kind of the format of the platform, but we are now going to be within the next couple of weeks rolling out $5 a month subscriptions and for a it'll always be free. You can always use the platform for free, but if you do a subscription option for $5 a month, we'll open up a profile and you can post on your profile. You can create your own groups and do stuff like that. So it's a great platform to build community and actually get engagement on your posts. Um, it's called Walkway Social. It's in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. And then the last thing I'll say is that we're also going to be rolling out within the next two weeks something that we're very excited about. Uh, it's called Walkaway's Project Z. Um, we base this off of the fact that, um, you know, I always get very frustrated because I watch conservatives kind of stand there like deer in the headlights, you know, doe-eyed when the left does something uh, and the right has absolutely no idea how to react to it. And several months ago, we saw people like Harry Sisson and Chris Mowry kind of rise out of nowhere. Uh, these, you know, pretty intelligent young guys who are creating this content on behalf of uh, liberal project, uh, liberal Generation Z. And rather than, you know, we have an RNC that is useless and has no idea how to combat you know, the strategies that the left employs which is why I like to jump in and try to use my platform to do that. So since the right seemed to have no strategy for how to deal with the left's uh, uh, targeting of Generation Z, um, we're, we're rolling out a project that we're calling Project Z. So we're putting together an army of Generation Z voices. And on a weekly basis, uh, they're going to be rolling out videos talking about uh, hot takes on cultural issues, political is issues, policy points basically speaking to Generation Z and telling them all the reasons why they should not fall prey to leftism, to the Democratic Party, and to try to make conservatism more appealing to Generation Z. Uh, so be, be on the lookout, please, for Walkways Project Z uh, and the army of young voices we're going to be pushing out in the coming weeks. And please help us by retweeting them, sharing their content. And uh, if you want to be a part, if you're in Generation, if you're a member of Generation Z and you want to be a part of it, uh, we will have an audition process that you can submit a video and some content and stuff, and you may be able to join the Walkway Project Z army. And I'm sorry, that was way longer than I meant it to be, so I will shut the fuck up now.
No, it was a solid pitch. No, I appreciate you, Brandon, always. That's why I wanted to come have you uh, kind of explain what's going on. Listen, like nothing, nothing can be changed culturally and ultimately politically if we don't have people like Brandon and Millie and many of these people out here that are building parallel systems that does not, we don't have to play ball the way they want us to play ball. We can, we can set the rules of the game. And when you do that, you start moving the culture, the politics will follow suit. And with any luck, we can shrink the government, take back control of the government and make politics and government boring again. I cannot distress to you how much that needs to happen. Um, because this is just, and, and so this is a big, these are all big pieces of it. Um, now, Jen, you said you've got a space coming up. As soon as we're done with this one, you guys are going to keep going on. looks like you've moved it to 1.30, um, 1.30 my time. So uh, I will direct everybody there, but, but I'm going to go into facts first and kind of get some more thoughts from everybody. And Brandon, go ahead. No, and, and I can move that. it again, Trash. I just, I just wanted to put something up there so people knew there was a space after. Like, I can keep moving it. I wasn't cutting off this space. I was just like, Telling people there's a oh, yeah, space no. after this to continue the conversation. So if I need to push it back, I'll push it back. But you should continue to go through this. Go ahead, Brendan. Sorry. No, I'll be really quick. I just wanted to say, um, you know, Millie was just talking a moment ago about um, some projects she has and, and some apps and, and, you know, technology. And then, of course, we've also in this space been talking about Rumble. And uh, I heard Frank's speech and a number of other things. And I just wanted to say, you know, uh, and what I'm about to say is mostly going to fall on deaf ears. I know that because, unfortunately, despite how bad things are in our country right now, conserv most conservatives are still not yet uncomfortable enough um, to do what needs to be done for us to be able to take control of the situation. But I just wanted to say, you know, as people like, say, Millie or myself or uh, Mike Lindell or whomever are creating alternative platforms and al alternative technologies for people to use to create solutions for us to not be reliant on leftist big tech, um, you guys have to use them. I mean, you have to make an effort to try. It's, it's very frustrating because when Walkaway was on Facebook, I mean, we were inundated constantly with people reaching out to us and saying, I love Walkway. I love Walkway. People would tell us, I can't, you know, I, I, I left Facebook years ago, but I came back to Facebook just so I could join Walkaway. Or people would say, you know, Brandon, we need to get off big tech. Can you please take Walkaway off of Facebook? Okay, so we did that. I worked my ass off building this platform, and the platform is amazing. I mean, it's awesome. It's so good. And, um, and now we, all we hear is, oh, I don't want to load another app. I don't want to join another platform. I've got too many apps on my phone. And I'm like, dude, you got like, <laughs> you've got people in our movement who are busting their ass trying to create solutions for you guys. And it is, by the way, simple as shit to load a new app. And it's also simple as shit to open it once or twice a day, even for five or 10 minutes, check in, share some content, and then Get the hell back on Facebook if you love Facebook so much, after all. Or if you love uh, YouTube and leftist tech so much, fine, spend your whole... But, I mean, just dedicate five, ten minutes of your life to supporting these platforms. It, it, it's, it's very difficult to raise the money to build these things. It's very difficult to build them. It's very difficult to maintain them. But you've got people like us willing to do all of that for you. Your only job is to load it, which takes 30 seconds create a profile, which takes less than 30 seconds, and then for five or 10 minutes a day, open the damn thing and tell other people or, or lose, or you can lose. I mean, that's and, and your Brandon, choices. um, 
just to let you know, QUX is actually like a device, right? And we are basically having the QX app store, which will allow for other apps to be on our device. And it is an app store that you would never have to be banned from. So that's something as well, like, you know, we could have walk on social in the QX app store in our device for our users to be able to use and access. So um, we would like to, you know, have you in there. So if you're interested in that, Brandon, definitely DM me. Um, let's talk because, you know, we actually have to start building out these other um, devices so that if they try to shut us down, which we already know that they've been banning people from these app stores. Okay, we know that. But we don't know to what extent they're going to start to ban people from devices and having even the ability to utilize them. So, um, but not only that, like they spy on us, collect all of our data, sell it, and they use it to build AI. So, um, you know, we can, let's talk. That's all I have to say. No, I, I, can I just jump in real quick and back both of you guys up, which is right. The, the, the battlefield, if we allow them to own and control the battlefield, right? I'm tired of building networks and some, some big tech oligarch flips the switch and takes it away from me. And it takes real people putting real effort in to build these things out. And frankly, like asking for participation, even at the most basic levels with the walkaway app and with QUX is not asking too much, which is we are trying to build the kind of infrastructure that will allow us to continue to do the necessary organizing and uh, to, to steer it back to the topic at hand. Look at how hard they are coming after X at every level through advertiser boycotts, through media matters and, and media smears and through regulatory shit with the FCC and with proposed legislation like the Restrict Act and the Digital Platform Commission Act. Right. It is all hands on deck to try to that it has became a bedrock of left wing tactics of silencing your opponents using lawfare against your opponents so that they're and debanking your opponents. And this time we're more, we're more prepared than we were in 2020, but we all need your guys' support. And when somebody like Brandon or somebody like Millie and Gavin or any of us who are putting stuff together with America mission, right? It's incumbent on us to support each other when we build out these new platforms and these new structures. Absolutely. And how long until, X is banned from the Apple store, right? If Apple's already pulling its its funding for their advertisement, what's next? How long till they ban it from Google Play and from Apple? Then what? Then what, right? Well, guess what? That's where QUX comes into play. That's where having alternative electronics comes into play and why it's so necessary because we can have X on QUX, okay? We can have X on QX and that kind of sounds cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is like, you know, these things take time, take money to build there. It is not easy to do. Um, we originally set out to do it. Just like Brandon was saying, we had people like asking us to do it. We had people asking us for solutions and we we did it. And because of the people initially supporting our Indiegogo campaign and raising the hundred and seventy five thousand dollars of funding, we were able to make it happen. And that's because we, we, we hear and see that people want a real solution. And so because we saw so many people have that interest initially with QX, um, 
we committed to fully building it, developing it and, and continuing on for better or for worse. So, I mean, just like with any company, guys, we've thrown so much of our own money into this company. It's insane. Um, you know, when it comes down time for like payroll and things like that, if, if sales are not high, you know, there's been times when we've had to, uh, you know, Gavin sold his truck just to pay, just to make sure payroll was being met, right? Like we have sacrificed so much for, for, th for this to be built. And we finally at the point where, you know, it is built, it's working. We've got streams, we've got video uploads, we've got, you know, a wonderful experience, live chats, people, you know, we're working, to, we're working into um, pretty soon having games on there. We have our own payment processor that just went live in the Google Play Store. I mean, we've, we've done so much with the little we've been given, but we really do need the continued support of the people. And we need you guys to actually uh, start utilizing what we've built for you. Don't let it go to waste. You know, these things are hard to come by and rare to come by. So it's important that we actually get you guys to start going on there and utilizing it. Uh, I'd like to jump in again for just a second and say, uh, first of all, I think we should probably do like another space at some point, literally just about this, about, uh, you know, right wing technology, new platforms that we're pushing out. So because a lot of people, I think, don't understand what goes into it. I, I mean, it, um, and I won't get into it now, but it, it's it's not easy to build this technology. I mean, I I literally was in a very, very deep depression through a lot of like 2022 because you you so desperately want to build something that you think is very important and necessary and building technology i mean you go through failure after failure after failure after failure until you get to the point where what you're building works and i i mean it, it's incredibly like emotionally depleting to go through that but when you finally come out the other side and you find success it's like awesome now you just need people to recognize it and jump on board anyway that's a whole nother thing the last thing i wanted to say was um I'm always going to push back a little bit when I hear, you know, people going in too deep about, you know, how great X is now and that, you know, we've like found the promised land here. Uh, I still strongly disagree. Um, many of us are very shadow banned still. I mean, my engagement has not changed since Elon Musk uh, came on board in the last year. I think I've gained over 250,000 new followers. My engagement is no different today than it was before I had the 250,000 new followers. And um, I see people with one-tenth of my following getting 10 times the engagement. So this platform has a lot of problems. It is not the promised land uh, that I think that we thought it would be. I think I definitely feel safer today using it than I, I felt over a year ago. But um, it, it's far from free. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say, you know, it, with, with my platform, you're guaranteed I will never create algorithms that suppress you, you will, you will have the same shot as anyone else on the platform of having your content being seen, uh, and getting the word out about what it is that you want to say. No, I agree with you 100%. Matter of fact, when we started off the space, I said the same thing. I was like, only recently have I, have I seen my engagement probably be where it should be at the amount of followers that I do have, or, or the content, or like the, the time that I spend on the platform. But uh, it is no, I, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been grueling in a grind. And, you know, the way I look at Twitter or X is it's definitely a platform I'm going to be spending time on, but I'm going to integrate it into QUX. Number one, I'm going to channel over there. I'm going to start actually building out uh, multi-layered uh, channels. And, and again, 
but the only place I could have started uh, was was on X here. And so now that you need to funnel that into the tech that Brandon's building, that Millie's built, and many other people that are building a parallel technical financial uh, economy, uh, being able to use, utilize this is kind of making a multi-layered approach to the social media so we can get the information that we're going over out. The whole point of me on Twitter is not so I can make ad share. I can promise you that. I mean, there's many ways to make money and operating on in the topics that I operate in, i.e. government censorship, going after David Brock is not necessarily the way. <laughs> so that's not usually how you can make money. Uh, that's not what it's been about. It's been about content and solutions. So yeah, utilizing everyone's tech, I think it's important. I think we should set that space up. I think we should. I think we should actually have a parallel tech space where you can kind of like dig deep into not only what the stories were about developing it and the challenges and and still the challenges today, uh, but then what that outlook looks like over the next five years. Because again, this is not like no one here is spending all their money selling their truck to make payroll, uh, spending all their time, effort and energy and doing it with skeleton crews to just be like, all right, well, we got through this election cycle. So cool. Uh, bye. This is supposed to be building out the next the, the free frontier moving forward for the next 20, 30 years plus. And so and, it, and it's a way to strip away a lot of the centralized power that has been levied against us for so long when we're supposed to be in the freest country in the world. And it's anything but right now. So, uh, yeah, no, I applaud you guys. We'll have a space about that for sure. I'm actually very interested in that. Dust, saw your hand come up. And Kim, saw your hand come yeah, up. Yeah, I, 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 I just wanted to add real quick. Look, look, look at, so all of the, the hardest working activists I know, like the, the people who have been in this game, on the ground, actually, like, putting the work in, it's almost a natural progression as you get involved in this stuff to have to build your own tech Right. You, you, you come to realize like at a certain point along the journey that without your own tech, without our own tech, if we're reliant on all of the structures built for us by the, the opposition, that you can't win. And I, I, I just I was struck while you were talking trash. Brandon, Scott Pressler, Millie, me and Jen, the American mission. So, right, ev basically everybody I know who's been in this game who I admire and look up to as people who are doing the real work, they all are working on building out our own tech. And I, I, it just struck me I wanted to add that. And I wanted to jump in and say that I uh, got on QUX Pay today, and it is so easy. It's amazing. I'm very excited to have an alternative and um, you know, I've been I've been going in deep with Millie on this, and the the infrastructure and the product is second to none, and it's really going to be there to support all of uh, these independent journalists and, and and all of your functions that that we have. So you can have shop, you can have channels, you can have all kinds of good stuff. So I'm excited for everybody to get together and uh, clear this out. We're we're almost there. We just got to put it all together. Uh, another thing, too, I want to plug real quick while we're on the uh, alternate tech. Uh, Heather Mullins and I did a space with Greg Phillips of Catherine and Greg, you know, True the Vote. They've been doing a lot of work on that stuff. And uh, they built out a site called Open.Inc, I-N-K. And it's basically going to be an open source. Basically, it's going to be an open source website where independent journalists can comb through thousands and thousands of hours of video or um, different footage or information and it's basically like an open source way for independent journalists to actually be able to have access to information and they just rolled it out 
And one of the first things that they did, if you guys have not seen this, and surprisingly, shockingly, many people haven't, there's about a four-minute video that uh, uh, Ed Martin did, and it's on Mr. Coffee. Mr. Coffee was the guy uh, who was there in the morning with a group of other people who were building the what you guys saw as the gallows on January 6th. And they tracked this guy's movements, and he just so happened to make his way to a coffee shop, the only one open at that time while they were building it a few blocks away, which was also in front of the FBI office in DC. And so there's many questions about who Mr. Coffee is. And I'm gonna link that down in the bottom. It's about a four minute video Ed Martin did. He's gonna be doing a series of these because he has access to a bunch of the January 6th tapes. And they FOIA'd a bunch of like the traffic cams, the external video cameras, not just inside the Capitol. And that's, this is the first of many that they're going to do. And this is on that open.inc, uh, open source, basically open source intelligence uh, website that Greg Phillips rolled out. So I've been, I've been championing that thing from day one. And you guys got to go check it out. It's about a four-minute video. I linked it directly to the video down in the chat. So, again, just adding more to this. So, Millie, I'll get with Brandon and you and, and some people. And I want to do an alternate tech space. Um, so we can really dry, dive deep into these things and we can really explain to everybody what's going on. So we'll set that up. Hey, Josh, I'm trying to add Brandon and it's not letting me. Uh, Same. So I don't know I've... it's because I dropped. Uh, but Brandon, we see you. No, I'm having the same error. Yeah, I'm having the same error as well. All right, James, you joined us. Come on in and then I'm going to get the facts first, guys. Yeah, real quick uh, on the tech stuff, the alternate tech stuff, um, we're building Criado.media and we have met with some of the biggest money players uh, on the right, like, and they don't see the value uh, in the work that everybody here is trying to do. That's one of the biggest issues. They're willing to put millions of dollars into the political divide. They're not, they don't even see the value in, in changing the culture. That, that's why you have so much problem It's like, one of the biggest issues was, well, uh, are you guys doing NFT? You're like, you guys don't even realize like how far behind the ball NFT really is at that point, right? Like some of the stuff is good, but they're like, it's like weird how they want things to play out for them. Some of the other guys were saying things like, oh, well, aren't you guys going to do this on crypto? We're like, dude, are you, are, do you not understand what the difference is here on the, on the security level that you're talking about? It, it's, it's very strange. We've met with some of the biggest brokers uh, that are out there. I, I'm just saying the money's just, it goes in the wrong places right now. They don't see the real value. And that's, a, that's an issue that we have on the right. Well, James, hit me up, man. We'll just get you an NFT. Like, uh, easy to fix that problem for you, brother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So somebody asked where you can find the 2021 David Brock letter just in my thread that starts off with the Ray Epps, Michael Teeter stuff. In that thread, I included the, the 2017 memo and the 2021 memo, which I'm going to get getting into because that's what established Facts First USA. But before I do, before, before we do a hard segue, uh, does anybody on the on the panel uh, want to add anything additionally before I kind of get back into my nerdery? Remember the names. Yes, remember the names. Always remember the names. It has served me well in figuring out this stuff. All right, Brandon, I'm going to try again. Let's see. Drum roll, yes. I got him. 
All right, cool. <laughs> Did you want to add anything else, Brandon, before I move on to, to Michael Teeter and Facts First and David Brock? All right. Cool. Now he probably can't unmute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Well, let's get into it because this is important and then we can end the space on this note. Look for the space in the future on alternative tech with Millie and Brandon and I'm going to invite James as well since I, I forgot that they are doing that Credo uh, TV as well. So that's important. We'll bring him in as well and, um, and we'll have that space. And Robert Pose just tweeted at me, happy Thur thermonuclear Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Happy Thermonuclear Monday. I think he was responding to the Rumble deal, but <laughs> I, lo I love Robert Bose. He's such a great guy. If you guys don't know who Robert Bose is, go follow him. Uh, he worked in the Trump admin. He is doing insane work uh, on the ground in Georgia right now. So uh, really great guy. He was on, matter of fact, uh, Sargon of Akkad, not Carl Benjamin Sargon of Akkad, but the other one. Uh, that was in the space. He brought up uh, Epstein and Bose and Epstein did a great culture war podcast on Tim Pool two Fridays ago, I think. And they were going deep into what he was talking about regarding Google. So highly recommend checking that out as well. Okay. Facts first it is, Jen. What do you think? You ready? Let's go. Oh, trash oh. okay. <laughs> let me, oh, let me read. Uh, all right, so Laura Logan has joined the fight as well. She says, this is about an hour ago, I added this tweet down there. If I could say this every day for the rest of my life, it would still not be enough. Time for us to stop people like this, like this sheltering behind their charitable status. It is all a lie. And there's a straight line from Brock to Crew to Act Blue to Facts First USA to Project 65 and so on. They are part of the, the affinity group network that includes Ford Foundation, Kellogg Foundation, Tides, Sunrise Movement, which Millie is a Sunrise Zoom calls, Momentum, Indivisible, and so on. They are ruthless and worthless. And then she says, no, I am not suicidal. I'm a mother of three with everything to live for. I just want to save this country. Uh, I guess I should say that for the space as well, guys. I'm a happy person. I like where my life is heading. I don't, I want to fix this country, uh, but I am not suicidal either. But uh, so let me pull this up because this is crazy stuff. So Back on the thread with Michael Teeter, he, him, who has since deleted his Twitter account since these, since this thread in that space. Oh, yeah. Speaking of facts first in that space. So I had a space. I put this thread together. It got picked up by a couple of um, uh, media companies like Gateway Pundit and such. And while we were having the space on it the following day, because I know this, because if you look at the actual thread that I put together, the tweet that says, just to be clear, is a screenshot of David Brock as president and Michael Teeter, the executive director and counsel of 65 of Facts First USA. However, so I took that screenshot when I made that thread the day before. However, the next day, if you went to the Facts First website, they scrubbed Michael Teeter from the website. But thanks to Name Redacted during that space, there's an archive. So you can actually find the archive where it still shows our team uh, as Maria Cardona's co-chair, David Jolly, David Brock, Michael Teeter, Melissa Moss. So it's all there. So they tried to scrub it, but to, to their dismay, it's been archived. But what I'm going to talk about is facts first, which is what I'm referring to here. So this is what this is a snippet that I pulled off the facts first website. I keep in mind this is under David Brock, under the same group, but they established it in 2021. 
ahead of the midterms and then this election. And they're saying through research, media, digital, and paid advertising, Facts First USA will act as a truth SWAT team, ensuring that facts are front and center to bad faith lies and misinformation. We will work to limit the reach of the right-wing rage machine to keep it within their own echo chamber rather than allowing it to become a part of the mainstream media coverage. We will proactively engage and respond to the MAGA majority's abuse of congressional oversight process by defending and counterpunching, sometimes surgically, sometimes broadly, but always methodically. And actually, I'm going to go find, let me see if I can find this. I put together a, a string of posts, not really a thread. It was more of just kind of responding. Dan Bongino had, had to come out with a clip and he was talking about, he was talking about this, uh, Ian Sam's guy, I think it's Sam's, I think is what his name. He is out of the white house. And if you guys remember, um, when the oversight committee was kicking up that, uh, and they were talking about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, the oversight that the White House actually sent out like a SOS um, help us please letter. And Facts First actually basically he, they, Facts First worked with the White House to develop the talking points to counter Republican claims, as they like to say it. And in a CNN article, I've got all of this in a CNN article, CNN was so stupid that they actually took the talking points from this memo, uh, direct memo. I'm going to go find it because I had it. And they copied and pasted essentially into an article. But not only that, they actually said, this is what Republicans are saying. Facts first. This is what's actually the truth. And they were that stupid and that careless. I have the screenshots of it. I just need to go find it. Go ahead, Jim, while I look for this, because it's, it's really going to show you how this works as the SWAT team. Yeah. And I just want to like point out that like facts is like a huge uh, diversion from what they're actually putting out. It's not like the truth and facts as we see it. It's the truth and facts as they see it and how they've contrived it to be put out to the mainstream. Um, so when they're going against people, they're not hitting them with actual facts and actual truth. It's contrived and made up. Correct. Yeah, it's crafted to, quote unquote, counter Republican disinformation. Right. But that's not actually the truth. So let me see if I can find this, because, man, it really does. It really just shows you exactly. It was a speech that I did. Um, was it Biden? Was it the Biden impeachment inbound? Is that what it was? Give me just a second, guys. I'm going to try to find this. OK, um, because it's so pretty I come to the conclusion, not to like divert trash, but while you're looking, I'll give you a second, um, that as we look throughout history, anytime where there has been a strategic plan after an event for narrative enforcement, um, we need to extra look at that event, right? Because we saw it with the Las Vegas shooting. We saw it with 9-11. We see it like throughout history where there's been an event and then there's been like this group along with the mainstream media that has gone out of their way, including the FBI, right, to have this narrative enforcement where if you divert from that narrative, you're debanked, depersoned, dehumanized. Um, and, and that's how they're able to keep doing things like, you know, setting up January 6th to entrap people. Um, and, and doing other things like the Las Vegas shooting, which Matt, Matt Couch did unbelievable reporting on, 
Um, so when there's narrative enforcement, I feel like there there's a lot of like room for us to be suspicious of what's happening in front of us. Yeah, well, absolutely. And it's the moment you start asking those questions, if you if you know, that's when you get banned, blocked, all those things. That's when it happens when you start saying, hey, wait a minute, what's what's actually going on here? Ah, found it. Found it. Okay, so this was okay, so this was around the same time that the internal documents came out from Morgan Stanley showing how Rosemont Seneca participated in this bond fraud scheme. Uh, interestingly enough, there's there's another state that uh, is joining in on this because I believe that they were directly affected by this. So let me find, I've got it here. Boy, sometimes these comments get a little, uh, a little convoluted with stuff, but that's good. If you guys have- Hunter Biden laptop is also another one of them. And Biden's like financial things is where they've had strict yeah. narrative enforcement. Exactly. Okay, found it found it. So I'm actually going to take this, take this tweet. So when you guys want to see this, number one, it's going to show the memo from the to leadership at U.S. news media organizations, okay, from Ian Sams. This was on September 12th of 2023. The very next post in the part of this thread uh, is the link that The Hill had. They actually got leaked where they were showing it was, it was a memo called House Republicans are basing their Biden impeachment stunt on false claims that have been repeatedly debunked. So I'm going to tie all this together so you guys can see directly how this facts first USA system operates. So let me do that. All right. Am I in my thread? Okay. Take it out of that thread. I'll put it here. It's going to be underneath the open.inc January 6th video link that I put down there. So I'm taking the thread out of context, but I'm putting it there. If you guys want to go take a look at it, I'll put it up in the nest as well so you guys can access it easily. Uh, oh, I can't do it from, from uh, PC. Give me one second. But you guys got to see this. This is crazy because this shows you facts first in real time how it operates. All right. So let me take that. I'll put it up in the nest. You guys can take a look at it. We're going to take a look at this together because it shows you exactly what they do. So before I get to the memo that I just shared and got in the nest. I just wanted to be prepared. Let me just read what facts first is. And this came from, uh, this came from the memo uh, that they established facts first USA with Michael Teeter as the executive director, who's also director of 65 project. Okay. So this is the, the post that says, here's David Brock's plans for 2022, 2024, including the hip new plans for pre-bunking information, which pre-bunking is not new, but they're utilizing it. Originally, Intel and many censorship apparatuses were using pre-bunking. This is that's about six or seven years now at this point. But here we are. So this is uh, October 25th, of 2022. And this is from David Brock. And the subject is Facts First USA, a SWAT team to counter Republican congressional investigations. Yeah, go ahead, Jen. Just on the pre-bunking stuff, I think like they, they're more open with it now because of like it's been exposed, A, um, but also wasn't there new laws passed um, in Congress that had to do with like censorship or something like that, where it allowed the pre-bunking to be brought out into the open instead of it hiding behind the wall? It may have been included in the NDAA of 2018 when they established the Foreign Malign Influence Center. Um, so that that's highly possible. 
But that was also, I think Obama posted, uh, uh, what did they do? They repealed, what was it called, in 2013, that allowed the government. The Smith-Munn Act. Mm-hmm. Where it allows the government to propagandize uh, the public. So, yeah, it's very, very possible. Okay. So, Facts First USA. Why is this so important? And obviously, it's from David Brock. They help establish this. So it's really interesting, though, guys. You listen to this. Just understand that they knew this was coming and how they attempted to get ahead of it. So, here we go. The precarious Democratic majority in both South and House, make, uh, Senate and House, makes it probable that Republicans will control at least one chamber following the 2022 midterm elections. Lacking a forward-looking agenda and aggrieved by the, effective, by the effectiveness of the January 6th Select Committee. This is hilarious. I haven't read this <laughs> in a little while. Uh, Republicans will spend the next two years aggressively investigating Biden, members of the administration, and the president's family. They will do so without regard to facts, without concerns for fairness, and without limitation. They seek to grind down the entire executive branch to limit the White House's effectiveness, to halt forward momentum, and to engage in character assassination that distracts from real issues, creates a false perception of corruption, runs up legal bills, and threatens the livelihoods of those caught in their web of lies. So if you just, you know, look at that with a mirror, it's basically saying that that's everything that they've been doing. Um, And it's not malicious attacks. It's hey, we have receipts of this 20 plus million dollars, big guy. Uh, hey, uh, we here at 65 Project and with Crew um, and Citizens United, uh, we've been basically using lawfare uh, to destroy and dry up everyone's money. Yep. Go ahead, Jen. Yeah, Trash, I'm just looking at this and I want to point out something. Anybody who's on this list, like Ken Buck, David Joyce, all of those people are obvious, like are the ones that are aligning with the Democrats on all of this bullshit that they're trying to pass through Congress. So like this just is like them putting on paper, like these are the people we're working with. Oh, you're talking about the uh, Ian Sam's memo? Yeah. Oh shit, I'm on the wrong memo. Sorry. No, that's the Ian Sam's memo from the White House, and then the the talking points plan, which I'm going to get to because I want to call that out as well. What I'm on, if you go into the thread, here, I'll just, here, I'll just DM you the link. No, it's okay. It's okay, Trash. I'll do it. I didn't mean to interrupt. I honestly was just on the wrong memo. Sorry. No, that's okay. I mean, because we're going to get there because that's crazy. (laughs) So let me, uh, let me get there. I just wanted to kind of give a background of what Facts First was designed to do. And then I'm going to show you how they used it. So ultimately their objective is to employ scandal outrage politics to ensure Democrats lose presidency in 2024. Yeah, I'm sure that's why it is. Uh, Representative Jim Jordan essentially admitted as much when he spoke to CPAC in early August. Now, keep in mind, this memo was written October 25th. So like like a week or two before midterm elections where we took the House. And he says Jim Jordan essentially admitted that when he spoke to CPAC early August, telling the crowd that the investigations Republicans plan to conduct will, quote, help frame up the 2024 race when I hope and I think President Trump is going to run again. And we need to make sure that he wins, end quote. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy has declared that they'll investigate the Biden's shady business dealings when the Republicans take the House in November. And the likely chair of the House Oversight Committee is already focusing his staff on Biden family investigations, opining that it is a, quote, matter of national security to know if President Biden's compromised because of his son's shady business dealings with foreign adversaries. Yeah, David, 
Uh, that is a problem because he should be registered as a foreign agent under FARA. And he is compromised. And we're starting to see now, and we are going to see more of stuff coming out of Ukraine in regards to this, guys. It's coming. I know it's coming, just to be clear. And we're going to be seeing, obviously, the Chinese stuff. We already know a lot about that. I've covered China in another uh, space and thread that I've done in regards to BlackRock. And some of the things that Vivek Ramaswamy had actually pointed out regarding our energy policy before he even decided to run for president. But that's another space altogether. The House Freedom Caucus and the America First Caucus, which is even to the right of Freedom Caucus, will hold considerable sway and demand that committees do Trump's bidding. <laughs> Further, with an anticipated majority that will be smaller than Republicans initially hoped, they will have a harder time passing legislation and so will place greater emphasis on investigations. Underscoring this point in the recently released, quote, commitment to America, House Republicans have made investigating the Biden administration one of their four pillars. They promise to, quote, use all the tools at our disposal to pursue the truth, root out corruption and abuse of power, and provide transparency to the American people on the issues that matter most. And so we keep going on and on and on. Uh, we know all this stuff's happening now. Um, and so <clears throat> we can kind of go through this. But it's interesting because they they note a lot of the different scandals. The geo, They call them the history of the GOP scandal machine attacks. Before I get there, what they're saying here is this. This presidential election in 24 will be close and simply relying on the hope that facts will triumph or triumph over conspiracy is not sufficient. Instead, a robust external force, a SWAT team with additional capacity must also be in place to ensure that the media and the public do not accept false narratives that flow from congressional investigations. An external operation will allow President Biden to stay focused on his preferred messaging during the 23 and 24 re-election campaign. We call this effort Facts First USA. Okay, you guys can read the rest of the memo. I'm not going to go through all of it. It's really interesting. They're already giving different talking points on Travelgate, on Filegate, anything that they could think of. Whitewater they brought up, Benghazi they brought up, um, <clears throat> Fast and Furious, Solyndra. Solyndra, another uh, green energy hustle through Obama, $535 million U.S. Department of Energy loan guarantee. Two years later, Solyndra is bankrupt. Talk about grift. Um, and you can go through this. I, I remember Daryl Essa had actually done an investigation on that. Uh, IRS, right? Uh, we talk about the Tea Party and Lois Lerner uh, going after the Tea Party folks through the IRS. And so they're basically anticipating, they're trying to anticipate everything that's going to happen once the Republicans take the House in 22, which they did, and then moving forward to the 2024 uh, election. They got Hunter Biden in here. They've got uh, Afghanistan withdrawal. They bring up covid border policy uh let's see what else we got in here it takes forever to load uh doj investigations they're already bringing up mayorkas they know all of this is coming um and so that's what facts first was designed to do was to be a response swat team when this stuff comes out but you're saying okay are they effective uh i wouldn't say they're effective but they really tried to be so if you actually go now, this is where I'm, this is where the Ian Sands memo, Sam's memo comes up, Jen, and I'll, I'll read the intro and then I want to get your thoughts on this since you're bringing it up. Um, this is the memo. It's up in the nest down in the chat. And this is from Ian Sams. This came out September 12th of 2023. And it's time in the, and this is the, the subject line from the White House. It's time for the media to do more to scrutinize House Republicans' demonstrably false claims that they're basing impeachment stunt on. This, and I'm going to show you this next memo, and it's going to make all the sense in the world. So after nearly nine months of investigating, House Republicans haven't been able to turn up any evidence of the president doing anything wrong. 
But House Republicans, led by Marjorie Taylor Greene, are nonetheless opening a baseless impeachment inquiry of President Biden, despite many House Republicans openly admitting there's no evidence on which to support. Yeah, this is the list of the Republicans that are, that are saying that there's nothing here. And it's so funny that we get to revisit this, Jen, to your point, after what happened with the motion to vacate uh, of Speaker McCarthy. And who came to the rescue for Speaker McCarthy during that time? Well, the first one they list is Republican Ken Buck, which, by the way, guys, great job on that coverage that we did for like a couple weeks and everyone's coverage because the calls to action worked. Ken Buck is not seeking reelection, guys. He's listed on here and he's actually quoted. So what they did with this memo is the White House took quotes from Republican Congress people and aides and then put them into a format that the media could use or at least look at whether you're writing a story whether you're producing a show on CNN or MSNBC, like these are basically what this is, is the White House's proposed people they should interview or talk to for this. This is what they did here. And this is the memo that the White House put out. And I'm going to show you where it came from, which is Facts First USA. Yeah, Dust, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this reminds me a lot of their war gaming of, you know, the possibility that Hunter that, that Hunter Biden had a laptop that got leaked to the media or got hacked by Russians and then leaked to the media, right? That the, the Democrats are, are very smart about the way that they war game and prepare out based on the op that the internal opposition research they do. That's all I wanted to add. Yeah, Trash, I just want to add, so to Dustin's point, I'm really glad you pointed that out, Dust. So it says, impeachment is a grave, rare, and historic, or impeachment is grave, rare, historic. The Constitution requires treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, I also want to point out the date of this, September 12th, 2023. This is a day after Biden released the $6.2 trillion or billion dollars to Iran, right? And that money should have never went to Iran. Uh, not saying that that's why they put like put it out, but I just think like because that would be treasonous, that would be bribery, right? And and they put this out a day after he releases that money, and he caught slack because he released that money on September 11th, which like for like not to get into that but like iran you know had a part in that so like uh yeah it's just really interesting the timing and the wording no it is it is and then if you look check this out so on this memo they included the quotes of these republicans that are speaking out against them uh an impeachment inquiry that were pro mccarthy during the motion to vacate and so they, by including these quotes they can, number one, they're already vetting people for media to talk to, right? That's why you saw Ken Buck all over CNN and MSNBC saying the things that he said, right? Because he was part of this SWAT team release list from the White House. And you guys can go through it. I'll just read uh, Ken Buck's comment because you guys probably saw that. It says, quote, the time for impeachment is the time where there's evidence linking President Biden. If there's evidence linking President Biden to a high crime or misdemeanor, but that evidence doesn't exist right now. He's also said, quote, I don't think the evidence has been presented connecting President Biden to wrongdoing and that I'm not convinced that that evidence exists. OK, you can go on and on and on. <clears throat> the point is that this came out from the White House from Ian Sams, special assistant to the president and senior advisor, spokesman for the White House General Counsel's count, uh, office. Now, if you go to the next post that I've got here, 
This is interesting. The Hill reported on this. Um, I caught this. Not many people caught this. I, I had this. That's why I had a space on it. So this was a memo that was leaked. And it went to a lot of the main me, mainstream friendly media. And it's called, the House Republicans are basing their Biden impeachment stunt on false claims that have been repeatedly debunked, right? You got James Comer saying, was Joe Biden directly involved with, so they're already twisting Jamie, Jamie Comer's um, quote here. And they're saying that, oh yeah, no, Elise Stefanik and James Comer, they're saying our investigation is Joe Biden always has been. And so what they're saying on this is, House Republicans have consistently maintained that their investigation of the Bidens is focusing on unearthing President Biden's involvement in his son's business dealings and revealing policy and governing decisions of which he made that were compromised because of it. House Republicans have bragged about how they've, quote, obtained thousands of pages of financial records and claimed that they show that there's hard evidence that Joe Biden was front and center in this. Anyway, on and on and on and on. And so what they did, if you notice this, you've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They've got six uh, Republican claims, right? These are like the six Republican talking points. And if you scroll down, it actually gives them the rebuttals to use in this memo. Now, what's interesting about this is, like I pointed out, uh, CNN, <laughs> I don't know if they did it on purpose. I don't know if they did it on accident. I'm trying to find that article. They may have scrubbed it since it's been pointed out by a lot of people now, but I was one of the first, was that they were essentially copy and pasting these responses from this memo, um, encountering very different things. So it's saying, I'll give you an example. It says, Republican claim number three, Joe Biden has participated in his family's global business ventures with America's adversaries. But here, however, this is their fact check. The facts show that Hunter Biden's business associates, the House Republicans' own hand-picked witnesses, have testified to Congress that Joe Biden was not involved in Hunter Biden's dealings. In. So that's not true. But what they did say is, <laughs> on this evidence specifically, no, it does not say Joe Biden. It just says the big guy or whatever. So this is their, they give all of the talking points to all the journalists. It went out to all the, it went out to all the friendly uh, Washington Post, CNN, NBC, Politico. Um, they're they're even web referencing like WAPO, but it, it basically are the talking points, and they're saying like check this out. So they're saying like the facts show right. So you got a quote from CNN saying quote Republicans have still yet to tie such allegations directly to the president's actions, which will be a major hurdle for GOP leaders to clear if they move ahead with impeaching Biden. So what they did is they sent these memos out to these outfits. They then took the quotes from their reporting, put it into this memo, and they're using it as evidence of reporting that it, these claims have been refuted. So it's like a circular, it's a circular fact checking. This is what Facts First USA does, but they are the SWAT team. So the SWAT team puts together this massive memo that I've got, it's 14 pages, and they send it out to all the, all the friendly journalists because of the call from the White House of Ian Sam's, Ian Sam's memo. Do you see how this works? And this is what Facts First USA is designed to do. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, and I just want to point out, like all of us who were working in 2020 to help get President Trump elected, Brandon, Millie, like a whole bunch of us, not only are we having to like battle because they're not like platforming anything we're doing, like literally anything, unless someone is there attacking us, right? Or, or doing that, or they're writing like terrible stories about us. They're not platforming us, right? So not only do we have to deal with that, we have to deal with them immediately attacking every single thing that's put out. We can't get the message out. We're trying to reach people and we're like standing here saying like, oh my God, we have all these facts. 
we're putting them out where the hell is it going and then you have the censorship industrial complex on top of everything else working directly with the social media companies to nix anything that even has a sniffle of going against their narrative that they're pushing exactly so when people come out on social media saying actually i have the receipts right here here is a b c and d uh, they're able to use this uh, the censorship and, uh, industrial complex to be able to squash out any kind of dissenting voice with proof on like Meta and Instagram. We saw this. Like we saw when uh, Instagram rolled out threads or Meta rolled out threads. I don't remember who rolled out threads because I don't use either of the products, but somebody rolled out threads and immediately all of these uh, conservative uh, journalists, independent journalists and content creators were immediately banned. Boom, 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 boom. Right away, gone. And then you had Nandimi Jammy, right, going mm -hmm. to all these advertising people and being like, oh, are you going, like, do you want your ad seen with Brandon Strzok on this platform? Do you want racist Millie Weaver able to talk to people? Like, get them off your platform or we're writing a bad story about you, right? So there was literally no freaking outlet to get this information out, which made it seem like, oh, well, we're, what's everyone doing? Why isn't anyone doing anything? But while we're trying, we are, we're, we're, we are trying, but nothing is freaking working. Exactly. And check this out. So I'm going to read to you what they put in this memo establishing facts first. Let me just tell you this. They're telling you. They're saying experience shows that to effectively push back against Republican effort to use its oversight power to drive a narrative about the Biden administration, an outside team with the following operational capacities will prove essential. Ready? One, research. A fast, dynamic, and well-structured research team prepared to dig in on any topic surfaced by the investigations, as well as to engage in opposition research against those involved in the efforts. Again, oppo research goes back to American Bridge. They're just bringing it now under the facts first umbrella. Two, legal analysis, right? So if you guys remember, the legal analysis was the the watchdog group, which was, you know, crew essentially. Um, and legal analysis, clear, digestible, and compelling legal analysis undercutting Republican allegations. Three, ready for this? Surrogate coordinating, assembling arming with talking points and booking a ready group of bipartisan, nationally recognized speakers without direct ties to the Biden administration to combat the narrative. <laughs> Rapid response. Through the research, legal analysis, and surrogate operation, be ready to respond quickly, nimbly, and when appropriate, with ferocity. And then digital strategy. Leveraging social media and digital marketing to engage key audiences and ensure that the facts are presented to counter Republican-driven disinformation narratives, preventing lies and half-truths from enveloping the mainstream media coverage. Earned and paid communications, bringing the fight to the airways with pointed events and paid advertising. Outreach, coordinating among like-minded groups for maximum pushback and consistent messaging. So outreach is like setting up a discord or setting up, uh, you know, slacks or private chats or whatever to basically deploy people at a moment's notice, say, hey, go attack this post, go attack this article, go attack this, go attack that and sending armies of people to go do that. That's what their outreach program was. And it says, importantly, in partnership with American Bridge Super PAC, Facts First will have access to a vault of continuously updated opposition research on these members who, in addition to their roles as chairs, are likely to be outspoken attackers of President Biden and the administration. 
In addition, our effort will have to access to nearly two decades of media footage through various databases, as well as research archives compiled during the initial launch phase. It is a digital collection of unprecedented size and scope and many times the size of even the Library of Congress's catalog. So they're explaining, they're, they're, they're telling you exactly how they're doing it. You guys can see this in real time. Uh, let me go see if I can find my tweet. I'll show you what I mean. So I went after Kreisinger the other day, yesterday, I think. And <laughs> yeah, here it is. I'll put this tweet up in the nest, down in the chat. And just go look. Go look at the comments and responses. A lot of them are even bots, where they're accusing me of not using the correct your, your, even though I did. That was the point. I think that was like a bot. But they're like, they're pulling up all this ready-made material that really means nothing. And it just looks like an army of people. So that's part of their outreach here. But they're telling By me- By the way, I purposely misspell in my uh, texts and, or tweets and stuff because it pisses people off and the bots come. And, it, and it's actually proven, this is, yeah, years ago, it actually proved engagement goes through the roof when you have typos. But um, real quick, I want to read surrogate coordinating one more time. Assembling, arming with talking points, and booking a ready group of bipartisan, nationally recognized speakers without direct ties to the Biden admin to combat the narrative. So a bunch of experts, so on and so forth, they get put on all these political pundit shows and they spew all this garbage, seemingly all saying the same talking points. Well, that's because of Facts First designing the surrogate uh, surrogate coordinating. That's what they established here. And that's nothing new. But I'm saying that they this is the plan and they're telling you this is the plan. It's not like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. Or I used to work in media, so I know. It's for everyone to see. And it's all here. It's just crazy. So that's what Facts First USA is. That's what they tried to scrub from the internet. Uh, Michael Teeter, because he was the director of the 65 Project and Facts First USA. He's also the attorney for Ray Epps in the lawsuit against Fox News. You know, and people ask the question, I, you know, he's probably a confidential human. Ray Epps is probably a confidential human source, but he was probably deployed by Democrats from these groups. And many of the other people, like we were talking about earlier with Sullivan and all these people, were included in that kind of group. So anyway, to kind of, re to kind of reset before we close this down, Media Matters, David Brock, Michael Teeter, Norm Eisen, Share Blue, Crew, American Bridge, Facts First USA. This is the uniparty establishment machine. This is how it works. And this is what we have been fighting for a very long time. And I don't want people to get all black pilled because I'm actually very motivated. I'm seeing a lot of wins back to back to back to back to back. We're winning in the courts against the censorship machine. We're winning in the narrative game. And we're going to keep winning. And we're going to beat all of these people. And peacefully through democratic processes, I guess I better be clear on that. Uh, but with this upcoming case with Elon Musk, Chris Pavlovsky, and many others in this fight against media matters, this is the machine that they're fighting. And so that's why I wanted to have a space about it today. I'll land my proverbial plane from the space and we'll get some more comments and we'll close down and we can all move, uh, to Jennifer's space and, uh, we'll go from there. Go ahead. United spot. 
Hey guys, Great Space. Uh, just listen in real quick, and I just uh, not sure if this is going to pertain to anybody, and this is definitely not a helpless plug to our YouTube channel. But um, even memers, uh, comedy, um, satire, parody—it's it, being attacked in so many different ways, and it's 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 just absolutely disgusting on so many different levels that comedy isn't even legal anymore. And for example, I just wanted to bring this up to speed. Anytime we do a video parody on Hillary Clinton, we will not say anything about her involvement in anything having to do with her interns or past employees or anything. We just creatively slide things in for anybody with a brain that can comprehend it. And with all these on YouTube now, they send up a Wikipedia context that reads, Deputy White House Counsel Vince Foster was found dead in Fort Macy. Uh, George, blah, blah, blah. His death was ruled a suicide. How the... It's things like that, you know? I mean, it's, 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 I can understand censorship when you're blatantly telling an absolute lie, all right? But when you're not even saying anything, when, you, when you're not even saying a word that has anything to do with anything that is either fact or fiction, they just slap it on there because AI is controlling the narrative at this point. So anyways, great space, guys. Hope you guys enjoy your day. No, you're right. 100%. I mean, this is my seventh account. I used to have a very large meme uh, meme account. That's all I used to do for years on the internet was, I mean, I'd research and investigate, but for my own knowledge, but I would just meme. That's all I was doing. I was, I've was i been banned. First of all, I'm banned from Facebook and Instagram because of it. Never to return there. Um, And I don't, I'm not like the, uh, I'm not like the disgusting shit post memer. This was all political and cultural memes. And they, there was no pornography. There was no, it was not a, I mean, it may be offensive to people who are lying to the American public, but it wasn't offensive to anybody. But it was effective. You know, I mean, we always make the joke that we memed the president in office in 2016. That's not necessarily all the way untrue. You know, back in the days of Patriot.win and Donald Trump.win and all the stuff that we did around that election. Is, I mean, it was it was a lot. But and they, they, that, that was just the same thing. Not even just information or what they would call malinformation or disinformation. It was just memes. But it was effective before they got their algorithmic tools in place where you could actually start uh, algorithmically, you know, going after memes. But, uh, yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. Um, Jen, do you want to kind of anything you want to say here? Millie, anything you want to say before I close this down? We'll move to your space. Yeah, all I want to say is if since I changed the time on the space, if the one that I have up in the nest doesn't open, I'll just open another one. So it just might take me a minute, but uh, we'll all move over there and we can continue this discussion and others. Thanks guys. Let me give you an example. I just, I'm, I've found an, I've kicked another hornet's nest of NAFO and uh, lefty shill accounts. Let me read this. It's got a picture of Donald Trump and it says Biden's America is doing all right. You little honey. Better than that, when that Russian asset with the shit all over his lying face got a million Americans killed from a preventable virus as part of a crazy scheme to suppress the vote and make himself emperor. Whew. Wow. Okay. So that's the kind of stuff that's going out right now. I had a bunch of NAFO people coming after me again, so I, I, I like that. I'm happy about that. Little furry fucks. All right. Uh, Millie, do you have anything you want to add before I close it down? I know she's doing some stuff. So thanks guys for coming in. And Jen, you put here, I'll remove this stuff from the nest because it doesn't show up on the recording anyway. Uh, let's see. Or maybe it does. I don't know. It doesn't matter.
But you put the, yeah, the spaces up in the nest, you guys. It's the first one on the left. You guys can find that. Go join it. I will probably join that gen shortly. Um, I got to do a couple things, make a couple calls as I'm at work. And I've been hosting the space now for a few hours. But, uh, yep, you guys make your way there. Thanks, Thank Josh. And we appreciate that, you. And yeah. Ooh. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm just, I, hope, I hope there were some people that learned something today. So in this fight moving forward against media matters, that people are talking about the real names that need to be talked about. Not just the people, this current president, like this Alejandro guy. Like, yeah, talk about him, sure. But this is a David Brock, Norm Eisen, Michael Teeter machine uh, that has been in, in motion for a long time. And it's about time we talk about it. Elon's going to take it down. Yeah, go ahead, Jen. Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, Nate and Proud Bird, I see you down there. If you just want to come over to the next space, we'll get you on stage. It's just that trash is shutting this one down. We've been going for a while, so... Uh, just come over and we'll get you on stage. Yep. And as always, if you guys missed it, the, the recording will be saved under the highlights tab on my profile, just like with every other space. I'm going to go back and listen. Uh, this is a, obviously I try to keep these spaces to two to three hours and as much information without much conjecture as possible. So this was a great one. Thanks to everybody that came in and, uh, we're going to be talking about this some more. Plus I'll be covering, we're going to be covering these lawsuits against Media Matters, trust me. My, I am all over <laughs> I think the kids uh, got the hot The mic kids definitely have Millie's phone right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Thanks all right, for thank you, Trash. We appreciate you. Thanks, everybody, for listening and all the speakers. Appreciate you guys.